Good morning and welcome to the regularly scheduled meeting of the City Operations and Neighborhood Services Committee. Uh, my name is Sean Ellsburn. I'm joined to my left uh, by member of the committee, Supervisor Christina Alagi, to my right, Vice Chair of the Committee, Supervisor Carmen Chu, and to the extreme left, Supervisor Scott Weiner. Our clerk today is Gail Johnson. Madam Clerk, could you please read item number two? Item two, hearing with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, General Services Agency 311 Customer Service Center, Department of Public Works Planning Department, San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, and Pacific Gas and Electric Company to participate and provide an update on the SFPUC street light plan and review the city's policies and practices relating to the lighting of the public right-of-way, including street light maintenance and reliability, the system of responding to and addressing street light outages, ways to improve the maintenance system and best practices for lighting per the Better Streets Plan and other city policies. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Due to the uh, very large turnout on item number one, we are going to continue this item, but I wanted to give Supervisor Weiner an opportunity uh, who is prepared for this hearing today to have an opportunity to speak as well as any members of the public who would like to comment first. Supervisor Weiner. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, we called this hearing today, which had been scheduled for quite some time on uh, the state of our street lights in San Francisco and the challenges that we have and what uh, PUC, PG&E, and others are doing to improve a, uh, a problematic uh, situation. I was looking forward to the hearing today. Um, I, uh, unfortunately, we are number two, and I did not. None of us anticipated uh, that we would have hundreds of folks come out for the first item. So I, I can't, in good conscience, uh, ask everyone uh, to wait for what uh, could be. Looks like it'll be a very lengthy hearing. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Chairman, I would request that uh, the item be continued to Monday, June 4th, at 10 a.m., and request that it be placed first on the agenda. And Madam Clerk, that will be a special meeting that we will have to call, uh, but we will do that. Um, so that, that is the motion, but before we take a vote on that motion, I'd like to open it up to public comment on this item, just this streetlight item, not item number one. We'll have public comment later on that. Mr. DaCosta, two minutes, Madam Clerk. Supervisors, as you know, street lighting affects everybody, including the seniors. Now, since the seniors are here, Maybe they should hear a little bit about street lighting and safety. This issue is very complicated because really we do not know who maintained the poles. I mean, we do know in a general way, but we do not know in a precise way. So since the hearing is going to be continued, I would uh, suggest that the Board of Supervisors do some focused outreach and do some outreach to the seniors so that they know more about these lights, what is going to be done about these lights, how SFPUC, which is the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission, and PG&E, which stands for Pacific Gas and Electric, how are they going to fix the problem, especially in areas where our seniors walk and it's very dark. So continue this item. But make sure you have focus outreach. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Costa. Any other public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. So uh, I'd like to make a motion to continue this item to a special meeting June 4th as the first item on the agenda at 10 a.m. Any objection to that motion? No. Seeing none, that'll be the order. And thank you, Supervisor Weiner, for your patience and understanding. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I may also just ask, if there are any departments who are here who I haven't spoken with, if you could find me outside just so we can check in. Thank you. Okay. Madam Clerk, could you please read item number one? 
Item one, hearing to determine how the Department of Aging and Adult Services and other city departments are preparing for the projected surge in the senior population in San Francisco. Thank you, Madam Clerk. This is a hearing brought to us by our colleague, Supervisor Olagi. Supervisor Olagi, this is your hearing, your show, however you'd like to proceed. We do have a lot of people who are here to speak, and so I'll keep my introductory comments uh, very brief. Um, basically, I just wanted to um, assess the situation that is going on out, out there as it relates to um, the issues that affect uh, seniors and persons uh, living with disabilities. Uh, we've had a, we had a hearing a couple of months ago that focused on the um, issues that affect uh, seniors uh, from the LGBTQ community and a task force came out of that. Um, we also have had hearings in the past year uh, that a Senior Action Network, an organization that I worked with, participated in, uh, along with the SRO collaboratives about the uh, issues that affect seniors who live in single room occupancy hotels. So, and now finally, there is a assessment of the needs of San Francisco seniors and adults with disabilities that the uh, Department of Aging and Adult Services published in April of this year. So I just think it's time to really assess the information that's out there and find ways that we might collaborate on a deeper level. Uh, funding is, is a constant issue. Uh, some uh, folks mentioned that uh, maybe we could come up with a policy uh, statement that had to do with um, um, the rights of seniors and persons of living uh, with disability here in San Francisco. So. I think this is a conversation that is, you know, has been ongoing, but uh, one that, um, given the fact that San Francisco will be the most uh, populous city in the next uh, 10 years, there will be more seniors living in San Francisco than any other city in San Francisco in uh, in California. We need to get a little bit ahead of the issue. So um, uh, this is uh, hopefully won't just uh, be a conversation, but will lead to to action. And we have. Uh, great partners here, Department of Aging and Adult Services, um, Human Services Agency, and Mayor's Office on Disability uh, Case also help bring people here along with uh, Episcopal Community Services, Senior Action Network, and Planning for Elders. So I, I'm happy to be um, part of the conversation and we'll, we'll look for solutions. Since we have a, a DOS a commission, I don't see the need to establish a task force after this conversation, but we should certainly look for, for some uh, ways of how we can all collaborate better um, beyond what we already do. So uh, that being said, I'd like to open the hearing with um, Patty Clement from the Coalition of Agencies uh, Service uh, Case, from Case. Good morning and thank you, Christina. My name is Patty Clement Chiak and I'm the Director of San Francisco Aging Services for Catholic Charities CYO. And I'm here as a co-chair of CASE, our coalition of agencies serving the elderly. And we are happy to co-sponsor this hearing with Supervisor Olagi to take a special focused look at the changing demographics of the city's population of seniors and adults with disabilities. CASE is a collaboration of community-based organizations focused on serving this very population that we are discussing today. 
and case con members consider themselves real partners with the city and county of San Francisco and we work closely with Department of Aging and Adult Services and look forward to working closer with other city departments and looking at seeing what their plans are for serving this growing population. It's not just a one department problem, it's an entire citywide situation and all departments are gonna have to look at how they're gonna serve this growing need. And finally, the CBOs, because we really do consider ourselves real partners with the city and county of San Francisco, we also would like them to take consideration and a look at the struggles that they go through to continue funding these services that we do provide and the cost of doing business and how that needs to be also looked at and considered in the, in the funding sources for this. So thank you very much and I look forward to hearing from all of our other constituents. Thank you. Next we'll hear from Dan Kelly from the Human Services Agency. Thank you, Supervisor. I'm gonna set up a PowerPoint here, just one moment. Supervisor, I uh, oversee planning at Human Services Agency, which is the umbrella organization for both the Department of Aging and Adult Services and um, the Department of Human Services. Um, every four years, the Department of Aging and Adult Services, DOS, is required to conduct a, a needs assessment of seniors in San Francisco. And we just recently completed it. And I, at the end of this, uh, will have a, a link to our website where it can be found in its entirety. It's, uh, well over 100 pages, it's, it's divided into two parts. The first is demographics, and the second drills down to specific needs. Today I'm gonna talk uh, mainly about the demographics of seniors in San Francisco and how they've, they've changed and are changing. And first I, I need to talk about just the economic context of aging in the city. Um, this uh, chart shows uh, the growth of uh, uh, persons with college education in San Francisco as we've transitioned to a, a knowledge economy. Uh, and of course, uh, as more people with education come into the city, they make more money, they drive up the prices of housing and everything else. That affects uh, all populations in the city. We spoke uh, a few months ago about uh, families in San Francisco, but it also affects seniors quite, quite uh, intensively. And I'll talk a, a bit about that. Uh, this shows the migration by age in San Francisco between 1990 and 2010. Uh, the bars on the left show where we've lost population. The bars on the right show where we've added population. You can see where uh, we've lost uh, a number of our children. Um, and we have uh, you know, today the lowest uh, number of children uh, of any major city in the nation. Uh, but that has enormous consequences for older persons too. Um, people who have raised their children here and their adult children cannot um, afford to live here and raise their own families have to move to more affordable communities. And that creates a, a tremendous sense of isolation among seniors in San Francisco. If you look at phone surveys across uh, major cities in the nation, you'll find that in San Francisco, uh, the number of seniors who have a relative living within 20 minutes time is about half of that uh, in other major cities. Um, the other thing you'll see is the increase of young adults, um, but particularly uh, persons in uh, between the ages of 45 and 64, that's people's peak earning years. 
uh, but not the time when they're particularly raising children. You'll also see um, that we have a loss uh, at the starting at age 65. And what seems to be going on there is that when people retire, they often move to more affordable communities. Um, so when we talk about the silver tsunami, the age wave, and so forth, it's important to remember that there are undercurrents there. Where we have had particular growth, though, is in the oldest uh, seniors in San Francisco, those 80 and above. And that uh, is also likely to be the population that is most likely to, to need public services. I just ask one question on that. Yes. It, it seems to strike me, and maybe you just are getting to it, and we're very early in the hearing, but one of the things that stands out as a result of these, talk about the uh, San Franciscans who've been able to stay here, but their children are not. Yes. It's often the children who are the de facto caregivers. And if they have had to leave, then that probably puts a greater strain on the social safety net that we are trying to provide when the family is not in place. Simple yes. assumption, safe assumption? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm gonna show a slide in just a moment that will reinforce that. Um, this is the where seniors in San Francisco live based on the 2010 uh, census, and you'll see uh, they're really spread all over the city, um, particularly the Chinatown area in the upper right, but um, one of the things I wanna point out here is just this issue of isolation is not confined to one demographic or one income group. Um, you'll see seniors are quite prominent in Seacliff, in Parkside. If uh, this map were to show the proportion of seniors uh, by populations in the census, different census tracts, then, Seacliff, uh, then uh, West Portal would be quite prominent here. So this is not, these issues of isolation aren't just uh, um, confined to low income persons. They affect all seniors in San Francisco. Oops. I skipped one. This, this is the slide that addresses your concerns, Supervisor. Um, this illustrates uh, in-home support services uh, recipients by uh, eligibility amongst the 10 largest counties in California. <laughs> and you'll see that San Francisco uh, per capita has um, twice the number of IHSS recipients of the second highest county in the city. And that goes directly to this issue of requiring public sector formal uh, support uh, to, to be able to, to live, continue to live in San Francisco. Just a question. Yes. On your age migration, you spoke of in the 20 years between 1990 to 2010 where the growth and uh, reduction in um, different populations have been. Mm -hmm. Is there, can you speak about what the trends are? So do we expect that in the next 10 years that we're gonna see the same trends of growth in these areas? Is it reversing, is it changing? What do we expect going forward? Um, well, if you, our, our, our demographics are somewhat fluid. If I had put a 2000 census uh, picture up there, it would have been at the height of the dot-com bubble and you would have seen all these young adults had, had suddenly sprung them strung up there. But where we would particularly see increases is amongst older adults, persons 75 and above. Whether um, persons who are now in their 50s are going to continue to live here once they retire is a different question. Many of them may leave the city to, for more affordable areas. Right, but for the department's planning purposes, oh. going, going out, 
we're in 2012 right now. Mm -hmm. What do you anticipate in terms of the population? Is it going to grow at this pace for these age groups? What are you What are you assuming in your estimates? So, um, the San Francisco, of course, is is quite limited geographically. So we're talking about absolute zero sum changes in population, and I would expect to see continue to see people of middle age uh, coming into the city and leaving at the time of retirement, and persons who are seniors who are in their older, their, their older years now staying in San Francisco. They may be the ones who have their houses paid off, um, uh, and they will continue to stay in the city. If you're asking for specific numbers, I haven't done those kind of projections. Thanks. <clears throat> Uh, this compares uh, our seniors uh, to other counties in California, to the state, and to the United States. We already have uh, more seniors than uh, other counties as a proportion of the city. And when I talk about seniors, I'm talking about persons age 60 and above. That's the Older Americans Act definition of, of uh, a senior. Um, so we already have 19%. So any increase in older persons is going to be very significant for San Francisco because we already have a, a, a greater number than other counties. Um, this is uh, ethnic trends among uh, uh, seniors in San Francisco. You'll see the growing proportion of Asian Pacific Islanders and the declining numbers amongst whites and uh, African Americans. Uh, if we come back in 10 years to do this again, no doubt the Asian Pacific Islander uh, uh, trend would be higher than, than the uh, white population there. They're now about even. Um, and this is consistent with longer-term trends in the city. If you notice, um, the number of Latinos has gone up uh, slightly. The Latinos tend to be a younger population in the city, as do African Americans. Um, this, of course, has tremendous implications for services in the city. This shows uh, English fluency. Uh, persons who are older in San Francisco, uh, almost a third of them have limited English proficiency. This is much different from the rest of the state where 70% of seniors are white. Here, uh, they're much more likely to be immigrants, much more likely to have limited English proficiency. I want to speak specifically about poverty. This shows um, the poverty rates among seniors in San Francisco. Uh, the largest proportion are Asian Pacific Islanders and whites, but as a proportion of seniors, the African American community has a, a higher rate of uh, poverty amongst its older persons. Um, this shows, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should be pushing this. Sorry, oh, um, the African-American population that you're referring to, where do most of them live? Uh, primarily in the Bayview uh, and Western Addition to a lesser extent. Is that where they uh, be residing mostly in public housing or, or in their own homes? Just um, it's a mix. Right now we're, we're doing analysis actually on public housing right now. Right. And okay. um, one, of the, one of the interesting findings were, is that even in family developments, there are quite a number of older persons in those developments. Um, so public housing is, you know, it, for, for older persons, public housing, SROs are often the only place where they can afford to live in San Francisco, where they can remain in the community. So those are definitely two big assets. And I know in the Western Edition, there's a large number of uh, senior public housing. There is a large number. Thank you. 
Um, in San Francisco, the, the, so the safety net in terms of income is much more SSI than, for example, uh, TANF, Temporary uh, Aid to Needy Families. And this shows, compares our SSI rate uh, to the, the 10 largest counties. And you see we're almost a, a quarter or a third higher than the next highest um, uh, county in terms of SSI recipients. Um, in large part, this is uh, due to the number of immigrants who come in later years or mid-years and are not able to accrue enough to receive Social Security, so they go on SSI. Um, on the right, so there's two types of SSI, uh, for uh, blind and disabled persons and for seniors. The pie chart on the right is the statewide distribution, and it shows by, by far the majority of recipients uh, are under the blind and disabled program. On the left is pie chart for San Francisco, where the majority of uh, recipients are for um, seniors. And this is a map where uh, older per persons receiving um, SSI under that senior category live. You'll see uh, Chinatown, um, North Beach, Chinatown split among several zip codes, but it's Chinatown in the upper right and the OMI in the, in the bottom. Um, and this has tremendous significance for our uh, public services because uh, poverty interacts with age quite a bit. This is California Health Information Survey that's done uh, periodically. It's a phone survey, and it asks uh, San Franciscans of different ages uh, about their health status, and you'll see the, those who are, um, are older and low income are much more likely to have um, health issues than uh, older persons who are affluent or not low income or younger persons. I'll speak briefly about adults with disabilities. Um, there are uh, 54,000 seniors with disabilities and about 34,000 younger adults with disabilities. Uh, I, I want to point out the uh, row showing African Americans that uh, they're much more disproportionate in terms of having disabilities, both as young, either as younger adults or as uh, seniors. Almost half of um, older African Americans have some form of disability. Um, this is where SSI recipients under the blind and disabled category live in San Francisco. You'll notice the South of Market and Tenderloin are the, are the um, or the highest concentration. That, of course, is where there's affordable housing for persons living on SSI and where there's um, accessible transportation. Um, I'm gonna, uh, the, um, uh, the needs assessment uh, discussed a number of different special populations, including veterans, homeless seniors, uh, seniors in public housing is described at length there. Um, and I don't have time today to go through all of them. I wanted to pick just one uh, and just emphasize the impact of the recession on, on seniors. Um, nationwide, uh, seniors lost about 18% of their wealth during the recession. Um, and the number of uh, seniors working today uh, exceeds that of young adults for the first time in history, or of teens. Um, I also want to point out that a quarter of persons between the ages of 65 and 74 in San Francisco are working. 
and they are using the uh, city's one-stop employment center. 1,600 use the one-stop centers that HSA uh, hosts in the last year. So that um, concludes my comments. I uh, have here a list uh, or the links to the um, where the full needs assessment can be found. If you just go to the San Francisco Human Services Agency website and go to the reports link, you'll find it there. I just really want to thank you for your work. Um, I know that uh, you did a lot of the research on the, I don't want to use the word plight, but the experience of seniors who live in single room occupancy hotels that inspired a lot of, uh, it inspired the seniors and SRO collaborative to form and uh, continue some of the research there. But um, one fact that was very important, I think, uh, this morning was the, um, the fact that so many seniors are having to seek employment yes. because, you know, they lost a lot of right. um, their right. potential income during the recession. Right. And also the facts, I think, around the African-American population and the disproportionate number who are living with disabilities uh, was um, mm -hmm. very telling. Right. So. And I, I think in going back to the employment, uh, the first speaker talked about how this is multiple systems. It's not just the Department of Aging and Adult Services. The economic forces in the city don't just affect families and children. They affect all people in San Francisco, all the most vulnerable people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think was important, that it covered the fact that it was um, the broad across the economic Mm -hmm. uh, range that, Absolutely. you know, surviving and staying and aging in place, which I think has always been a goal of the Department of Aging and Adult Services is something that's constantly being yes. uh, yep. challenged or whatever. Thank you. Could you send me an electronic version of that presentation? Sure. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, we'll hear from Carla Johnson now from the Mayor's Office on Disability. up to this forum. Uh, I'm going to keep my comments brief because I'm actually here mostly to listen today and I see that we have a very full house and a lot of stories to hear. But I want to thank you and DOS and the Coalition of Agencies serving the elderly for framing the discussion today and putting a face to the statistics and the personal stories that illustrate our needs. The right to self-determination and the right to choose to live independently in the community with access to supportive services is a civil right that's affirmed by the Olmstead decision issued by the Supreme Court. But it also just makes good sense. When seniors and people with disabilities have the opportunity to live independently in their own home or apartment, they not only have a higher quality of life and participation in community activities, but the cost of living and the support of services are significantly lower than housing someone in an institution like a nursing care facility. And cities like San Francisco have the potential to be an incredibly efficient place to live independently if we can harness our political will and direct our city resources. Our new buildings have elevators and we have a public transportation system, and we have a dedicated network of nonprofit service providers and city agencies. But our need is great if we're going to be meeting our potential, and we need continuing support for the in-home supportive services and community-based adult services. And these services are at risk due to budgetary decisions that are proposed at the state level. 
and we need, most importantly, perhaps, more accessible and affordable housing. The loss of redevelopment funds means that we don't have as many resources to construct new affordable housing. And the cost of living in San Francisco continues to skyrocket in the, the for-profit sector, driving people who are marginally housed out into the streets. And once you lose your housing and become homeless, your medical and your disability and your mental health needs become much more complex. So now is not the time to cut funding. Now is the opportunity to invest in San Francisco's future and create jobs by supporting the community-based service providers and supporting the construction industry as they renovate and build our affordable housing. And now is the time to frame our housing needs and our transportation and our service needs as a civil right. Thank you. We'll hear from Ann Hinton, Director of Department of uh, Aging and Adult Services. Good morning, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, have this hearing and discuss the issues that are important to all of us and also give the community a chance to uh, speak to their uh, individual and, and community concerns. I wanted to start, um, and I want to thank Dan for his uh, really great coverage of the issues uh, in terms of the demographics and um, uh, the poverty levels and who lives in our community because it really sets the stage for the comments that I'm going to make. I handed out uh, to you, supervisors, a, a brief uh, description of the department, but for the audience purposes, I'd like to just um, talk a little bit about that. DOS is what I, Department of Aging and Adult Services is what I refer to as an integrated department. Um, in, in many years ago, uh, the controller's office did a, a report um, and found that things might be better in San Francisco if we were to pull the various programs together and departments together that served younger adults with disabilities and older adults. And so we, were, we became an integrated department instead of many standalone programs and, and uh, divisions. Um, we're made up essentially of four divisions. Um, we have IHSS, which is probably the, the largest single program area serving over 22,000 older adults and younger adults with disabilities by providing home care services in people's homes. It's the one program that we have where the federal government, the state government, and local government shares in the cost of the program. And, and you do know that this is one of the ones that the governor has targeted for reductions um, in this coming, coming year's budget. Um, there's also about 18,000 workers in that program, um, and some of those are those folks that Dan talked about who are over um, 65 years old. Um, the next uh, division is protective services. This is where we have adult protective services, which um, really is there to focus, and I should say that these programs are there to serve people irregardless of, of their income. IHSS is a means-tested program, but our protective services programs are available to anyone regardless of their income. So we have adult protective services, um, our public guardian, our public administrator's office, our public conservator's office, and our rep payee. And the conservator's offices are really there to protect people either um, with their financial assets or health and or, and or both of those, depending on which program that you, you know, you're looking at. Rep payee is there to help people manage their uh, income so that they actually can remain living in the community. Um, and of course, Adult Protective Services is doing investigations on reports 
of neglect and abuse, um, and that is, we're sorry to see, but that's an ever-rising um, uh, problem in our community. The third um, division of our department is long-term care operations, and this is where we have seen some of the most innovative and creative uh, program development, and that's largely due to the mayor and uh, the board of supervisors. This is where the community living fund resides, which is a, a fund that helps people leave um, nursing homes to come back into the community or to help them stay in the community and not enter um, institutional care in the first place. It's where our diversion and community integration program um, sits as well, which is again helping people leave institutional care or if they're at General Hospital, helping to um, move them back into the community and not into institutional care. Um, and then the um, fourth division in our department is community services and intake. And I'm actually going to be referring a lot of my comments to this section today. This is where uh, our Office on Aging or any, any other part of the country you'd hear it referred to as the Area Agency on Aging sits. It's also where our county veterans offices resides and we have a, developed over the last uh, seven years an integrated intake unit. Um, so I wanna uh, focus a, a little bit on that section by starting in to say that um, all of DOS's service, whether they're means tested or not, are targeted for our entire community. So as Dan stated, we have a lot of folks in our community who are monolingual, um, many different languages. We, our staff and the folks that we contract with in the community um, are specifically hired for those languages and those, um, the understandings of those community because really we are here to serve everyone, not just specific um, people. Um, we know that uh, discrimination, bias, and poverty make things even more difficult for people. So although we have a continued concern about that low uh, and middle, the middle class person who's on the low end of that economic scale really is frequently finds themselves in a situation where they can't purchase services and they don't qualify for services. Um, that, that's a difficulty that we see on an ongoing basis and is a problem in our office. So again, although some of our programs can target people irregardless of their income, a lot of our services that are key to staying at home are there specifically for that low income person. And as I was saying, discrimination, bias, and poverty just make things much more difficult for anyone irregardless um, of their age or circumstances in our community. Uh, partnerships have proven to be a critical component to our department um, over the many, many, many years. That's partnerships with community-based organizations as well as partnerships with the, the, uh, all the various facets of uh, city and county government. We've had a good working relationship with the Disability Council and it's, um, uh, so the Health Department as well, um, San Francisco Health Plan. So we, we know that, that it, without those partnerships, we actually couldn't embark on a lot of the new initiatives, nor could the programs that are vital, like the um, protective services programs, really function very well in our community. So San Francisco has a long history of a strong nonprofit community. It also has a long history of um, uh, the Board of Supervisors and mayors really being committed to um, making sure that older adults and younger adults with disabilities can remain at home and be successful in their environments. This is, I think, really seen in the fact that unlike many communities across the state and across the country, um, we receive funding, general fund funds, 
that are greater than the match requirement for most of our federal funds. And you really, you didn't see that before the downturn in other communities and you really, you don't see it uh, now. The downturn has hit communities, our community included, very hard. It's not that we have been untouched, but we started at a place that was a lot better than a lot of communities are. So for that, and that's really the advocacy that's been done by the CBOs, but it's also been because um, city and county government has been, uh, government officials over the many years that I've worked here have really uh, been committed um, to funding as best as they could at the time. Um, I was gonna talk a little bit about our budget over the, the last few years. I've been uh, the head of the department for about seven years. I think my second year in the department, you know, uh, budgets were doing well and, and the economy was doing well and the department um, had a, um, about a $160 million budget and that includes IHSS, all those programs that I was talking about. But we received about $6 million over a new uh, general fund dollars over a course of about two years. And that was due to a lot of advocacy, but it was also due to the fact that there was really, again, back to this commitment to try and work to keep people at home, um, but also to deinstitutionalize folks, especially out of Laguna Honda Hospital. Um, Three million of that is the community fund. Uh, some of the rest of that money, it was the first time the department had the ability to take new dollars and invest it in programs for younger adults with disabilities at a much higher level than we'd ever done before. We were also then able to provide greater support to things like legal services and um, immigration services, naturalization, um, and other kinds of programs. Um, but as the downturn came, we were hit just like other departments were. Uh, I have to say though that on a whole, we have, we have survived um, well. Uh, although we have lost about 30 positions in our, in our department, um, and we know that contractors have faced reductions just because costs have gone up. There's no way, you know, you can get away from that. If you stay flat, something still, you know, it's hurting you. But in terms of dollars that have been, um, that we've lost in these last few years, if you think just, and these are just kind of gross numbers, but if you think about that six million that came, it was a little bit more than that about four years ago, and then you look back at our history over these last few years, you'll see that we probably lost about two million. So we're still ahead um, in this key area of community services. Uh, so that, that's, that's good news for us. Um, we've lost money in some key areas. We've tried some things that we thought would work uh, with the resource centers. We got some new federal money in, so we used that, and we tried a little different design. Um, we also did some rate reductions in nutrition and, and other things. Um, as the population uh, moves and, and grows and the needs of the population grow, then you know, we're gonna see over time kind of what, what happens in those key programs. But um, those were things that we decided to do at the time. So that, that lost us about a couple of million. We have been really, really good, I have to say that the Deputy of the Department, Shreem McSpadden, has been, um, I think, one of the incredible at looking for new resources, either for us to, to uh, go after match money on things that we might have been doing using general fund that maybe seven or eight years ago, we maybe didn't think at the time that the, the match was worth all the work that we were gonna have to do to, do it, to get it, but now we, we match every dollar that we can possibly match. Um, and providers have been doing the same thing with us. They've become partners in that, in that area as well. 
Um, we have had some new initiatives that are important to us. I should say, because this you, the conversation about planning and what are we doing you know, for the future, Dan referred to the area plan. Um, where you can, I think, find some of this online, but it's a pretty big document. I, I brought one along so everybody can see that it, it's really a very thorough document. It's required uh, from the federal government in order for us to get our um, administration on aging money, we must do it. But it's also a very practical document as well because it helps us to determine what it is we're going to fund. The plan itself is good for three to four years, so it's always you know, changing and we're always doing updates. In addition to that, we are part of the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council, and so we completed the live, first Living with Dignity plan a couple of years ago. The council's developed a second one, so we're in the, the midst of um, implementing uh, those recommendations at this time. A couple of years ago, because we recognized that, and you might go back to that, uh, Dan said about the fastest growing population is the, at 85 plus. Um, that population also, one and two, has dementia. So uh, we decided a couple of years ago that we would take on um, that issue. The mayor at the time formed an expert panel. And so this um, document, which is a 10-year plan, which we are also in the process of implementing, um, and we'll be doing an update to the plan in the fall so we can make sure that any new things that have happened since we first did it are included in the plan. We have an oversight committee for working groups, so it, it's it's absolutely moving along. Anything new that we have undertaken then is in one of these plans. The plans um, reference each other and they have um, you know, many crossroads roads between them. So whether or not it would be the uh, broadband technology grant that we received from the federal government, which was about seven plus million to the city and county, was about three million to us. Um, we are now, we've been working on transitions from hospital to home for a very long time. We were talking earlier about PECC and SAN's commitment to this issue, I don't know, probably 15 years ago. Uh, we're now in discussions with the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare to um, talk about um, a contract with them so that we can um, have federal support for the work that's being done in the community. Um, we have uh, sought um, designation and funding for adults with disability resource centers. Um, we have really focused our money on evidence-based healthy aging because that we've seen that the, the evidence on those programs really shows that irregardless of, of income and ethnicity and all those things that we talked about earlier, people do better when they're able to really get involved in one of those programs. Um, and that uh, we're using two programs, one out of Stanford, one out of U USF uh, here in the city, and now we're embarking on a medication uh, management evidence-based program, and we're looking to do something around drug and alcohol in the future. We have undertaken a long-term care integration investigation. We know that the state and many states are moving to managed care, so we um, sought outside funding to bring in a consultant to form an expert panel that can really delve into these issues and so that San Francisco can pull, pull together a plan that really speaks to the issues that people have in our community so that when the state moves into managed care, we're, we are ready for that. Um, 
the LGBT task force was referenced earlier. There we are uh, providing support to the work that's going on there. Um, we were probably one of the first area plans in the state to even have that as an issue in our, um, or address the population's issues in that, in that document. And then um, one of the newer things that the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council has taken on and is a really important to our department are livable communities. How do you create communities where people can stay? Um, I think that when it comes to challenges in our community, and I'll, I'll end my comments with that, um, I think there's really kind of two, and, and I've uh, alluded to those. One is this middle-class, low-income population, and how do you get key services like an IHSS program to them, or how do you help them access that when money is, is pretty tight? So that's, that's one issue. Um, and then the other one is just neighborhood planning. I mean, how do you create livable communities? You, it's easy might maybe to do that in a new subdivision, you know, over in the valley someplace, um, although not without its problems too, but how do you do that in an older city uh, with a lot of hills uh, when there's a lot established? But we, we know we've got um, some, some specific districts in, in our city where there's not as much service as we would need, as we do need. Um, and part of that is around that planning. So I think those are, part of that we will take up in the livable community work, but um, it's still, you know, really something that is, I think, bothersome in terms of where are our stores located in, in that ring, then where do people live, where's transportation, where are our services, you know, how does, how does that all work? So I think I'll end there. Yeah, thank you for that. I know that when we did the, um study on SROs, um, we did find that access to foods, healthy foods, and, and that sort of thing was something that um, some neighborhoods uh, were lacking. Right. Um, and eventually it may be that, you know, there was a trans transportation effectiveness planning that took place to try to look at some of these issues, but I know that um, there, were, there were some senior disabled voices at the table, but it seems to me that we still have to fight our way to be heard sometimes in those discussions around planning issues in general. So maybe at some point, you know, as we move uh, forward in this, maybe in the next year or so, we can look at um, establishing some kind of a planning effort with the planning, uh, the city planning department to look at where people are aging and how, with maybe Department of Public Health has done some work on um, community health impact assessments Mm -hmm. uh, which um, looks at how do you create healthier communities. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's some movement already in the different departments. It's just bringing that conversation to um, the senior and disabled disability community. So Right, and I would say that I should mention the planning department has joined with the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council oh, on that, on that uh, we're in that work group. Um, one of the really interesting things I think about that work is that it's attracted people that we don't normally uh, come in contact with, right. I'm sorry to say. So we've got a couple of architects who are really interested in this issue, nice. uh, people from different parts of the city. So, but yes, we need all of those people um, involved. And, and I'll save my comments for later, but I've been becoming more familiar with some of the issues that affect uh, seniors who live in public housing. So the way we kind of went deeper into the SRO issues, I'm really now being exposed to some of those issues that are very nuanced. But I can, I'll bring those comments up later in the hearing. Uh, we'll hear from any, oh, I'm sorry, um, Supervisor Chu. 
Thank you very much. Just a question to um, to Anne. Just taking a look at the uh, report earlier and sort of the demographics about where uh, seniors are living, there is a very dark ring in the Sunset District. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we've talked a lot about before. I certainly have spoke to you about kind of uh, the resources that are out there. And I think it's very, uh, different communities have, have different um, structures, right? So we have many of our seniors who are living in their own homes perhaps, mm -hmm. who may be isolated. And so the services that we provide and the things that we might want to, to look at for that area might be different from, from other places that might be closer in proximity to other service providers or other things. What, what are some of the plans for, for these hard-to-reach areas? Consistently in the sunset, we've not ever traditionally had very large spaces, community public spaces where we could run services out of. Um, there's just limited limited mm -hmm. commercial space as well. Mm -hmm. And so can you speak a little bit about how you anticipate facing those challenges given that we've we've walked circles around this issue over and over again and we don't seem to, to be making any progress here? You know, one of the, I mean, this is one of the reasons the livable community work popped up because in, over the last years that I have been here, one of the things that has been very clear to me is that each neighborhood really does, or district, however you want to define it, needs its own planning process. And the sunset um, is one of those key areas where we know we've got a lot of older adults and we do not have, we have key services there. We have the resource centers and nutrition. We've got, you know, uh, daycare, you know, relatively close by. We've got more than one senior center, actually. Uh, and there's key providers that are very much dedicated to raising additional dollars, like self-help for the elderly, um, Northern California Presbyterian Home Services. So it's the provider community is, has been working hard on it. Um, I think that really to deal with the issues that face, and you're right, each district is very different. Um, there's not as many, although Park Merced is, is on that side there, it's a lot of single-family homes with stairs up and down. Uh, or, of course, stairs are up and down, but you know <laughs> what I mean. So I think, um, you know, I've just reached the conclusion that the only way really to deal with that, and there's a couple of other districts that I have also concern about, is to sit down with some key players. And I've suggested to the livable community uh, work group that the sunset might be one of those districts that they look at. But then that would take, I think, all the key players, someone from the business community. There's a lot of churches in the sunset. They may, they're, they're, they're also graying, but they're, those are key issues for them. Park and Rec has some um, buildings in there, the library. But I think um, key to all of that is also involving people, again, that we don't normally see, which are some of those independent contractors and architects, as well as the business community. Um, if the livable community uh, work doesn't proceed along those lines, then I think we really have to do it ourselves because the, um, the issue is not, the demographics aren't changing in a way that would make it less of an issue. The issue is very much there. Thank you. Now we'll hear from Ann Quaintance from uh, Meals on Wheels and the Food Security Task Force. Good afternoon, sorry uh, for the, uh, the technical difficulties, but just one minute, I do have a PowerPoint to, uh, to put up. 
Perfect. Okay. I think we are all. No, we're not quite set. It looks just perfect from here. Oh, it is. Okay, good. Um, my name is Ann Quaintance. I am the Senior Director of Programs and Operations at Meals on Wheels of San Francisco. Um, and I am today, uh, I am also a member of the Food Security Task Force and am uh, representing um, that group today. I'm also on the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council and uh, a member of Coalition of Agencies Serving the Elderly. Good afternoon to all. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It is something I think those of us have worked together for years. I think this is an amazing place to gather, uh, to hear some updated reports. I'm excited to tell you a little bit about the struggles that um, our seniors are having and persons with disabilities um, as far as nutrition. Um, and so we're going to take a look at that. Today's report focuses on seniors. Um, although the Food Security Task Force and those of all of us are working hard with persons with disabilities as well. And I look forward to doing a presentation on both groups uh, for the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council in July. As we've heard with the large baby boomer generation um, now beginning to seek senior services, demand for senior meals has risen substantially. Improved life expectancy uh, means this boomer generation of seniors is likely to be in need of services well into the future, which we've heard today. Um, challenges in government funding mean that private funding, fundraising will continue to be required to meet these critical needs. That does put our safety net at risk. Of the 155,000 seniors, there are 12%, that is 19,000 people, more than that today, that are living below the poverty line, which is $10,830. 27% of our seniors are living below 150% of the poverty line. Can you imagine? It's $16,245. Painful choices of rent, food, medications are among our San Francisco seniors every day, every hour, something people think about planning through their entire month what they're going to do to meet their food needs. Here I'm defining food security as defined as access by all people at all times to enough nutritious food for an active, healthy lifestyle. Food security, as we know, has a wide range of manifestations, including worrying, worrying about food that will run out, buying cheaper and nutritionally inadequate food, rationing meals, which is what most of our seniors are doing every day, um, or skipping meals completely. That is the reality of all of our, of our seniors that are living 150% of the poverty line or less. Certainly those for, I think, that are on that edge, like we've talked about, that are between the low income and middle income and have never sought services like this before. Food, as we know, often becomes that non-essential item, although it is the most essential. But as if a person is with limited income and choosing between paying a fixed expense, like rent, um, buying food, as we know, is, is something that will become um, that expense that they will not worry about or seek otherwhere. Um, to complicate matters, as we know, access to food can be a complicated process. So is there a grocery store nearby, as we've mentioned? Um, is a senior physically able to get to the store, to a free pantry site, um, to a meal site? Um, is there a language barrier, uh, lack of kitchen facilities for so many of our seniors? Um, and transportation as well, a huge struggle. Uh, the options for seniors to access nutrition sense, uh, is a congregate lunch site. Uh, a free food pantry site, applying for home-delivered meals or groceries. Uh, meals on Wheels, we do provide two, day, two meals a day, seven days a week. Most of our providers do not. Most are one meal a day at best, and most are five days a week. Um, and the programs are really designed to be supplementary. 
most of us are often at capacity and people are waiting to come onto our program, um, just as people through attrition. And the most important thing I want us to all know today, there is no entitlement program for nutrition at all for seniors. On here, this, uh, this graph shows, shows that there are over 700,000 meals that people are accessing at the congregate programs. Uh, we're estimating uh, this fiscal year to do over 1.2 million meals and home-delivered meals. Um, quickly want to point out that, you know, the percentage that we're going to be over contract even at this fiscal year, uh, we're looking at about 11%. Um, each year there's approximately 15,000 seniors um, going to congregate lunch sites and there is over 2,800 seniors accessing home delivered meal programs. Organizations um, that serve meals um, are raising additional funds to, to support that need. Um, and again, I do think it's, it's just not sustainable. I think it's a safety net that puts us further at risk. I think the CBOs will always match um, private uh, county dollars, city dollars, and will continue to do so, but I think it is just not keeping pace. For CalFresh, so there is, um, for, for seniors that are living below the poverty line, most of the time you would think that they are able to access the CalFresh, um, the food stamp program. For our seniors that are receiving SSI, which is just under the federal poverty line, we cashed out of allowing people on SSI to access food stamps in the early 1970s. Those of us in the advocacy community, we have looked at SSI agent versus SSI blind and disabled. I think that favors those folks that are blind and disabled, and we are seeing it continues to not favor those that are aged. Um, if people were able to access food stamps, we would be looking at an average grant of $140. That would make a huge impact. So changing that policy for SSI aged, aged and not cashing out for that any longer is critical to what we need to do. Um, the government has pushed back and said, unless you do it for everybody, we're not willing to work with you. So that is a, an incredible advocacy issue and a opportunity for all of us that would make a huge impact for those with the most nutrition needs. In order to avoid pre-institutionalization of vulnerable seniors, a network of community services, uh, supportive supers must be in place. Uh, they are in place. I think we are um, at capacity um, and really needing to address um, the increase and that kind of quote-unquote senior surge that we're seeing. Um, each year, the demand for home-delivered meals and services far exceeds the allocated funding for these programs. Um, we have heard about uh, in-home supportive services and that 77% of those IHSS recipients were not able to perform this function um, or needed a lot of human services to prepare meals. Meals on Wheels and other home delivered meals certainly part partners with IHSS. Um, that is another area where are, none of us are able to meet that need uh, through HDM programs or IHSS. I want to quickly point out the estimate of missing meals. The Department of Adult and Aging Services in 2006 did a study, and we were able to, and out of that study, we were able to see that we're missing between six and nine million meals annually. Um, so if we figure that most people are maybe accessing one meal five days a week, uh, potentially receiving two meals a day through seven days a week through home-delivered groceries, you can see the, the meal or two meals that people are missing every day. And if there is no access to CalFresh um, and it is a struggle to, to get the supplementary free food uh, pantry sites, um, this, it's a critical issue for us. We, we do know the malnutrition and health and medical outcomes 
um, are huge. I think we know that people are entering and re-entering hospitals simply due to lack of nutrition. Um, we, we know that malnutrition and isolation in older adults leads to slower healing rates, increased risk for medical and surgical complications, delayed recovery from trauma, increased length of hospital stays, and increased in readmission rates. And I know that's something that uh, those of us uh, are really looking at and trying to address that uh, transitioning um, in and out of hospitals and how critical a, a role nutrition could play in that, in the prevention of that. and the future of senior hunger in San Francisco. Given that the population is highly vulnerable to poverty and hunger, growth of this group will put heavy demand on a strained service system. Um, and that's why it's so important to not only try to meet the, day, the need today, but how are we gonna continue to, to raise the funds and the political will to, to see that, to meet that. Uh, the following trends will impact the future of food insecurity and hunger among the aging senior population. We have high current, uh, and uh, projected unemployment, large supplemental security income population, growing budget deficits at both the local and state level, uh, large immigrant populations with special needs, growing income inequality, and increased costs all around, whether it's for food or transportation, healthcare, housing. Um, of all the trends mentioned above, um, we'll put together a, a, a strain on publicly funded programs and community-based organizations. I think that is why we're all here looking at it together. Um, but what we need to do are three critical things. We need to prepare for the future by examining imminent need. I think we're on the track to do that, and we need to really commit to that. Most importantly, we need to leverage the additional resources to their fullest potential. I think every year I'm amazed by what we find. I think the CalFresh opportunity is there for us. I think there's others. If we continue to dig, we'll see. I think that takes a lot of research and know-how, and I think we'll, uh, we have to do that. Um, and creating solutions that will meet the rising demand. I don't think we've ever been able to do that. I think we're always playing catch up. We're always struggling to meet that need. We're always struggling to figure out how to, to, to keep people healthy and, help and uh, healthy in San Francisco. But it is, it is something that is really gonna take all of us. I think we've seen the rise. Um, so I appreciate um, today. I really look forward to hearing from, from all of you today to let people really know what are your struggles and, and what is working and what isn't working. Thank you. Thank you. We have, we have one last speaker before public comment, and that's Kathy Spensley of the Elder Economic Security Index. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Um, I'm Kathy Spensley, Director of the Senior Division of Family Service Agency. Um, our agency has been serving those in poverty for over 100 years. Um, some of our programs have been around since Johnson's War on Poverty, which really helped to lift seniors out of dire poverty in this country. Um, we are again concerned about the number of seniors falling into poverty today in San Francisco. And as you know, the federal poverty line is around $11,000 across the country. Um, and that doesn't uh, cover even the basic needs in San Francisco. Um, the Insight Center in, in Oakland and Los Angeles has developed the Elder Index for, for every county in California to demonstrate a more realistic poverty line. And we use this in our Economic Security Center here in San Francisco for older adults. I'd like to introduce, um, to hear more on the specifics of the index, Jenny Chung Mahia. Uh, she works at the Insight Center in Los Angeles. Great. Thanks, Kathy, and thanks to the supervisors for bringing together this really important hearing today, and I'll make my comments brief because I know uh, we have a number of speakers. 
And I hope my comments today can really just complement and, and supplement Dan's initial comments earlier today about the status of elder uh, economic insecurity here in San Francisco so we can take a little deeper dive and also to give kudos to San Francisco for all the work that um, it's done so far in integrating the elder index into policies and programs. And so as Kathy mentioned, my name is Jenny Chung Mejia and I'm with the Insight Center for Community Economic Development. We are a national research consulting and legal nonprofit organization based in Oakland, so just across the bay. And I'm an attorney and program manager with our family and elder economic security projects. We've talked a little bit uh, through the various comments about the federal poverty guidelines. And I just wanted to put up this particular slide um, because it really sort of captures the conversation and sort of the key to the conversation that we're having today. And what we'd like to put out is that as, a, our, as an organization, our mission is to promote economic health in vulnerable communities. And we say that in order to manage a problem, such as poverty or economic insecurity, you first have to accurately measure it. And so this particular slide actually shows a comparison between the federal poverty guidelines, which is the measure that we typically use, and as Kathy said, it's currently just over $11,000. Um, but unfortunately, that measure doesn't accurately capture how much it actually costs an individual, let alone an older adult individual, to meet all of their basic needs. And so several years ago, we partnered with UCLA Center for Health Policy Research in order to calculate a more representative measure of what it actually takes in order to cover all of your basic needs, not just the cost of food, but also the cost of health care, housing, transportation, and other basic costs. And what you see that is for here in San Francisco, it's actually closer to $27,000 a year for an older adult just to meet basic needs. And so I wanted to reiterate actually something that uh, I think Dan already covered in his slide, which is this produces an eligibility gap, and I think Ann also spoke to it as well. When you compare, if you're using the federal poverty guidelines versus the elder index, you're missing an entire population that falls between the gaps of these two bars as to who's not making ends meet. And what that means here in San Francisco, based on analysis we did several years ago, is that 61% of older adults, 65 and older, here in the city and county of San Francisco are not able to meet their basic needs. That's closer to about 65,000 older adults. And given the rise in recent years of the cost of living, in addition to decreases in various sources of income, we unfortunately can only imagine that that, that number is bigger today than it was before. And that's compared to the federal poverty guidelines showing that only about 9% of older adults are falling below. So you can see that there's a huge uh, differential there. And then this next slide just compares again the importance of programs such as Social Security and SSI and how you can see why we need to preserve those programs and we can't have cuts to those programs. In fact, if anything, we would need additional resources to uh, make up for that difference between what an older adult needs in order to meet his or her basic needs compared to what they have. And as we know, many older adults are living on fixed income, whether it be Social Security or perhaps a combination of SSI and Social Security. But you can see that that is not even enough to make the gap. And so you wonder, what are folks doing? Well, what they're doing is they're cutting medications in half. They're skipping meals. Um, they're not going to the doctors. And so they're making these really critical and very difficult choices. And lastly, I just wanted to end um, and, and highlight a couple of ways in which the Elder Index has been used already here in San Francisco and also how it's being used across the state as well as the nation because, as we know, the federal poverty guidelines are a measure that need to be changed at the national level. Uh, but it does start with a groundswell here locally. 
I did want to point out that from a policy standpoint, the Elder Index was actually approved by the Board of Supervisors here in San Francisco as the eligibility criteria for the, long, uh, the Community Living Fund uh, back in 2009 as the eligibility determinant. So whereas the program was using 300% of the federal poverty guidelines, they were able to uh, pass a resolution to approve the use of the Elder Index as the eligibility criteria. And that's really important to change that framework as the way in which we uh, look at elder economic insecurity. And the, San Francisco has also passed a resolution in the past setting a more realistic measure of economic security for families. I'd also like to point out that from a programmatic standpoint, Kathy will speak to this um, a bit more in a moment, the Family Service Agency here has used the Elder Index as part of their economic case management model where we're looking at providing holistic economic case management for older adults and this idea of bundling of services and how that can make an impact in older adults' economic health. So I just wanted to applaud San Francisco for, for being a leader um, in this issue of building economic security and we do want to offer the Elder Index as a tool that can continue to be used um, by the various departments and we do look forward to continuing to work with the supervisors as well as the various departments and also uh, the various nonprofit organizations in the city and the county in order to continue building economic health among our older adults. So thank you. Thank you. And um, I know people are getting hungry, so we're, we'll uh, hold off on any more details about that, but you'll, I would prefer, prefer to hear the stories from folks around how this kind of, this uh, impacts them directly. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading off cards. Uh, speakers will be limited to two minutes. And um, I would ask that if there are individuals in the audience that um, have uh, certain needs and really do have to speak uh, now, if you could uh, start, I guess, lining up for the mic. I know that there are several of you in the audience who have physical or, you know, challenges. So. I'm not, uh, I, I, rather than start, and then I'll start reading off names, so. I don't know how we should go about this. Maybe the f people, at least in this first row, I can see. And if there are others, if you could line up on the, uh, on that side. Okay, and. Um, Let me know when to start. Oh, where's the timer? Oh, it comes up here. Oh, good, okay. Okay, you can. Hi, my name is Robert Sloan. I'm 57 years old, I'm disabled, I'm a trans man. I live in an SRO, I get social security, I get about $900 a month. My food budget is about $100 a month, if you can imagine that. And I am happier here than I've ever been anywhere else on the planet. I don't think I could survive anywhere but here. San Francisco is the city where the first human being looked me in the eye and called me sir. 
This is the first place where I was welcomed to the human race. I love this city. I want to be an economic asset to it. If I had enough food, if I had rent in city housing, I would become self-employed again because about half of the other budget would be going into building my business and making a living as an artist and a writer. I don't want to retire, I want to de-retire. But I can't afford to support my business when 75% of my income is going to my rent in the SRO. I'm falling behind more and more. I'm stuck staying retired. And I don't want to do that. I want to become a taxpayer. What I need is to get out of the gap between elderly and disabled. I'm on Social Security, but I can't get an SRO city housing till I'm 62, and I don't make 1500 a month to get into the rental apartments. Now, I don't need an apartment. I'd be happy with the SRO, but <laughs> I need to have a place to live that I can afford to live. I don't even mind sharing the bathroom. I just need an affordable SRO. And that's what I wanted to share with you here today. There's a lot of people like me out there. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Howard Brano, and I'm a 62-year-old man. I live in on the sixth along the Sixth Street corridor. Um, I have some issues regarding handicap access for Muni. Um, I want to know why the Muni cannot uh, make ramps uh, all along Market Street so that people uh, can uh, get off and on um, the uh, ramps there. Because there's, like, for instance, on Sixth Street, there's a ramp on one side to get onto Muni, but on the other side, if you're going the other direction, there's no ramp, and uh, it seems to be something that could be addressed. Uh, also, on uh, 6th and Mission Street, there's, there are no kiosks. Um, there seems to be kiosks all along Mission Street uh, in the downtown area except at 6th Street. Um, I think that's another issue that could be addressed. Um, also, on, at 6th and Mission Street, at the same location, uh, it seems to be that when the light turns red, it's, uh, people seem to uh, have the idea that two or three cars are okay to go through the red lights there. Um, if um, cameras were installed there, I believe that that would uh, put a kibosh on that particular issue. Um, and um, also, I'm a, I am a recipient of IHSS, and um, uh, I just wanted to say it would be a shame if they have to cut any more out of the budget. I realize the state is having problems, but um, that would be it. A bad thing if they had to do that. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Uh, next speaker. Hello. Uh, <clears throat> my name is George Demore. I'm 75 years old. I live at Ninth and Mission in a hotel. I go to Can and Kip for my meals. I'm here to urge you to increase funding for Can and Kip, who does one heck of a job for the community. And it looks after us senior citizens medically as well. We have nurses, 
and nurses' aides that come in and check our blood pressure uh, and help us out in that factor. But please, increase their funding. Don't cut it. You'd be doing a great disservice to the city. And this is a great city. I've lived here a long, long time. But believe me, you guys, are, you're, you're slipping in your job. Increase the funding for Ken and Kip. Thank you. And if we can, um, if we can save the clapping till the end of the hearing, that would be helpful because otherwise, it slows it slows us up. And there are a lot of folks here who would like to speak. So, my name is Nancy Cross. Uh, I'm not going to tell a, a story of personal grievance because I have a lot of those. But I want to add what I can. I think. Uh, relatively uniquely, and talk about the processes and the participations to get to a solution. The theme of my two, seconds, two minutes is resources flow for real solutions. We haven't got real solutions. We talked about the distresses and it's more money, more money, but that is not a solution. It's not a process. We need to have bodies in which people can brainstorm solutions and not just complaints and rights. We need those other things too, but it's kind of dead end to put our mind on that without thinking rights, wrongs, and remedies. Now, I, if I ha I'm going as far as I can. I'm reading a statement that was before the Human Rights Commission that has never been publicly determined, and I have endeavored it. This is from Dr. Hoff. Good afternoon, Madam Chairman and Commissioners and Madam Director. My name is Rodney Ho. I come to you in many different roles, but tonight as president of the Turk Street 400 as a former president and now speaker of the Vincent Hotel Tennis Association. We've had substantial, well, I'll skip a little bit there, about the Tenderloin Housing Clinic, which receives virtually 100% of the funding from the city and county of San Francisco, or approximately 25 million a year. And that's the worst possible organization you can imagine in terms of business practice management. I have found out from various sources that they are one of the most sued organizations of the city in terms of ex-employees and by tenants. But we go to the rent board for relief and they tell us we're not eligible because there's some weird situation in the law that protects this organization from being actioned against by the rent board. We've heard, tried several lawsuits because conditions are so bad and we can't get a law firm to represent us. No one will touch this organization. Currently the operation 16 thank, residential Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And, uh, Thank there you. are grievances, but they are not Thank resolved you. publicly. And I ask you. And before I, I call, start calling the speaker cards, is there anyone who has uh, certain physical challenges that would force them to leave the hearing early? Because I did want to prioritize those speakers. No? Yeah? Okay, so we'll just, I'll start calling cards short, shortly. Go ahead, ma'am. If you can, yeah, if you can put. Uh, okay, I'm going to read what I have here first. My name is Dolores Q. Benson, and I am 83 years old. Hello. Good morning, everybody. For our program participations, I think the most important things are A, the steady and continued increase of. San Francisco Seniors publication, thus 
increased need for support and services. Simple statement. Good morning, supervisors. My name again is Dolores Q. Benson. I am 83 years old, and I am a senior and one of the more than 18,000 seniors living in San Francisco. We are not getting any younger, and we, our needs and our needs for, for service will decrease. Please ensure the findings, funding for services for seniors such as the programs provided by the Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center or BHNCs, Accelerator Community Center, gets preauthorized. We help build this city and we do not deserve to be neglected or discarded. B, the high percentage of seniors with limited or no English language capacity. Sample statement, preferable in their native language and then translated by someone for them. Good morning, supervisors. My name again is Dolores Q. Benson. I am one of many seniors who participate in Bernal Heights Neighborhood Center or BNC Service Community Center program because I know there is someone who can speak my language. I try to speak English, but sometimes it's hard with all complicated forms that I sometimes need to fill out. I wish there were more programs that provide programs in my language so that I can get help and support I need. I remain with all my love, kisses, and we'll be waiting for your response. Thank you. Have a good day. Hello, my name is Estela Moreno. I live in the Excelsior, and I'm a, a member of the community, Excelsior Community Center, which is part of Bernal Heights also. And I'm here just to urge you to please to continue to um, fund the services because this is a place where seniors go and they are not isolated at home. So my, my presence here today is just to, for you to continue funding and to if possible, increase some of the funding, but not to make any cuts, at least, of what we have. Thank you. My name is uh, Balsar Dispo, a retired physician, but not yet tired. Now I am uh, taking care of my wife who has an Alzheimer. Formerly, she was uh, uh, being taken care by the adult daycare center at uh, Stevenstone, but the moment that she was uh, struck in her face by someone in her dares, and I think the stepping stones should take care of their, their clients. My wife was uh, kind of asleep, and now I'm taking care of her for the past three months. I'm now 77 years old, and we're living now at Bayanian House, and uh, fortunately enough, the Filipino Equity Center uh, helped us to find a place to live. But in Bayanian House, you know, it's in Sixth Street, and it's very dangerous to live there. Our safety is not secured because one time a man pulled a knife inside, uh, inside the elevator and he almost stabbed us. We reported the police, but the police wanted to arrest him, but I told him we have to forgive that man. He's also he's a big guy, but uh, I have, we have forgiven him. Now I came here for uh, at least uh, to help us to find a place to live, a better place, a better housing. And uh, I'm also glad that they they are going to put up a uh, police substation at 6th Street because we need help there. 
you know, in 6th Street, there are lots of narcotics going on there almost every day. So we are not safe in that place. Thank you very much. Hi, good morning, Supervisor. I have a lady here. He, uh, she wants me to uh, read her script. Um, her name is Tom Shiel, and she is 98 years old, and I'm going to read her script. I couldn't remember why I stayed in hospital six months ago. The doctor told me that I have Alzheimer's disease. Ah, I guess that's why I have poor memory. Since then, I worry about where I should go after discharge from hospital. The discharge planner found me a conservator. She was very helpful and found me a care home, which provides 24 hours, seven days a week care services. Now I'm living in that care home. Every day I see friendly smiling faces and I don't have to worry about my daily activities, especially the medication. All the time I'm not quite sure if I take medication or not. In the care home, staff gives me medication routinely with doctor instruction. Also in the care home, they always arrange different activities, like going out to Golden Gate Park and having lunch in Chinatown. I feel so secure and happy. I think I'm deeply appreciate that there is a community care services taking care of people like me. Without that kind of services, definitely I will end up wandering on the street. So today, may I take this opportunity to let you know how important to provide care services and a home to Alzheimer's elderly just like me. So if you can, please put this issue on the top of your discussion list. Thank you for listening to my uh, story. Thank you. And again, I, I just wanted to remind uh, members of the public uh, to please prioritize those with um, needs uh, to speak first. So. I'm a senior, my name is Hui Guan Kuang, and um, Winnie Yu, um, I myself will translate for Ms. Kuang.
My name is Hoi Gen Kwong. I am a graduate of Self-Help for the Elderly's 87th Home Health Aid Training class. I'm a, new, I'm a new immigrant and an older worker. I see that half of the job seekers at Chinatown One Stop are older workers. It is almost impossible for job seekers like myself to get a job without learning English and new vocational skills. I urge the city to support and protect funding for housekeeping and home health aid training programs. Without these vital training programs, it would be impossible for myself, for job seekers like me, to overcome barriers to employment and have hope and direction in my life through meaningful work. Thank you. I'm sorry, sir, if you could stand at this other mic. Oh, this one, I'm sorry, to your uh, right. Okay, thanks. Good morning, city supervisors. I'd just like to say I've been here in San Francisco 33 years. It's a wonderful city. And please, if it's so some way, I hope you can balance the city budget because there are a lot of programs in the city that do need money to keep these uh, programs in the mental health system running. And uh, I just hope you can work something out because I know you're very busy. And I sure thank you, so please give it a consideration. Thank you. Hello. My name is Hui Chin Chen. I am 78 years old. I want to thank government and self-help for the other to give us opportunity to study English and citizenship so we can apply for citizenship and to vote. Before, I don't know English, but now I can speak a little English, and I feel very happy. Please keep functions self-help for the elderly, so more senators can be citizens. Thank you. Gobeso 還有卡拉OK,和各種的舞蹈,和各種的健康運動。我來到那個是建民中心的善堂
，身體健康、紅眉、開心、愉快，還學到好多嘅誒舞舞蹈同埋健身運動。但係我哋嘅善堂同埋誒活動嘅地方係唔夠，咁希望政府能夠啊誒、呃、支持我哋。誒擴展擴展到誒呢個飯堂同埋活活動嘅地方，咁誒我我哋誒喺呢個善堂誒真真係啊大家團員嘅老師都有團體嘅老人家都有我哋同樣嘅感覺，咁誒誒我哋最後我哋誒多謝誒代代表團體嘅老人家多謝。政府同埋所有嘅善堂嘅職工員工對我哋嘅關心、誒、呃、服務，咁我呢、這個誒響呢個大家庭誒、呃、感覺可可安慰、可快樂啊！希望政府能夠支持啦，誒、呃、多謝。Okay, thank you. So I'm going to do a translation for Tam Ngo. First of all, she would like to thank the city, county, uh, San Francisco City and County DAS in regards to the concern of the senior services and funded different senior centers in the Bay Area, especially to the Self-Help for the Elderly, the organization that provides ethnical services to the monolingual seniors. At the centers, um, the senior centers basically is now a part of their life. The staff, volunteers, and friends that she have met there, it's their family. Their care and passions give her supports and energy, very often more than, their more than her children's that would give her. And in the centers, they receive varieties of meals and different recreational and educational activities, such as Tai Chi, karaoke, and dancing. And she felt a lot happier and healthier after they joined the program. And she believes that most of the seniors um, that participate in the meals program feel the same way. However, due to the limited space at the senior centers, sometimes she cannot bring new friends to attend to those wonderful activities. So finally, she would like to, be on, on behalf of the seniors, again show her appreciations towards the city, San Francisco City County, DAS, Self-Help for the Elderly, and their staffs and volunteers. She urges you to continue such wonderful services in the community. Self-Help for the Elderly Senior Centers is the place that she calls her home. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Lupe Bravo. Hello. And I'm a member of the 30th Street Senior Center community. That is where I spend many hours and I'm very happy and healthy because of all the activities. I'm here to talk about home delivered meals. Um, about 10 years ago, I became a widow. And at that time, uh, it was such a busy and tragic time in my life. And I just really didn't know what I was going to do. The care I had to give my husband was tremendous. So one day I was sitting crying at the breakfast table by myself, and then all of a sudden this thought came in to my head, home delivered meals, home delivered meals. And I said, why didn't I think of that before? So I made a call to the center, and uh, I was directed to the person in charge of these home delivered meals. And within two days, she was at my home assessing my situation. And within three days, I had my first home delivered meal. I was so thankful that every day when that man or woman came to my door between 12 and 1 o'clock, I said, it's Thanksgiving Day, 
And I thank you so much because I don't ever want those home-delivered meals to be cut back because they're truly important when we are in need. When we're healthy, seniors do a lot, but sometimes we need help, and we hope you consider that. And I thank you very much. I was going to mention that if everyone can sit down at this point, everyone can sit down because I'm going to start calling the cards because I think uh, most of those who had to speak initially have already spoken. So if people want to take their seat back, I'll just start calling cards and then, you know, everyone will get the opportunity to speak. But go ahead, ma'am. The, the next lady, if you could just speak and then everyone else can sit down. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we can start calling cards again. Good morning, folks. My name is Frances Burns, and I'm a participant at 33 Senior Center. Uh, and I want to congratulate you on uh, trying to form a task force to take on this problem of seniors and the handicapped. Um, I believe firmly in senior centers and where we can gather. I think that the senior center that I joined when I retired as a volunteer uh, has kept me mentally alert, physically well. I'm able to have a hot lunch there every day, which means I don't have to cook, I don't have to shop, I don't have to prepare it. They wait on us and I don't have to do dishes. So it's wonderful for me. And I have just passed my 90th birthday and I think that I'm here because of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sorry for speaking out of sequence. I have another meeting to attend at noon. Ahead, My name is Herbert Weiner. I'm 73 years of age. I'm a former social worker for the city in the in-home supportive services program. I want to address some major concerns. First, the Transit Effectiveness Project. It's abbreviated as TEP. It really stands for Trashing Elders Period. In your district supervisor log, people are expected to walk a quarter of a mile to some bus stops. This includes the 33 Ashbury Line, which will be discontinued on Ashbury Street. What are people expected to do without the service of, of Muni? Are they expected to crawl to their destinations? This is the most inhuman proposal, and it basically has to be reexamined. I'm surprised if, it, if Americans uh, Disability Act lawsuit isn't filed eventually. This is basically a cosmetic program and basically management operations in Muni have to be audited first. The second thing is regarding Proposition C, which passed at the polls. This will restructure the Health Service System Board with the potential of escalating premiums, co-payments, and drug costs, and lack of drug coverage. This will affect disabled seniors. Basically, the uh, Board of Supervisors passed this unanimously, which really shows them to be the Tea Party with a liberal face. The other... The other thing is that basically the city is attacking seniors through public transportation or other programs. They are pandering to hustlers who are here to make a buck. And we built the city, we serve the city, and we deserve a lot better. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll start calling names now. Michael Lyon, Amber Carroll, 
Sari Billick, Tam No. If you heard your name, if you can start coming up to the mic. Richard Schmidt, followed by Uverda Harry. Hi, I'm Michael Lyon from uh, Senior Action Network in the California Alliance for Retired Americans and Gray Panthers. Um, it's it's really it's 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 heartbreaking to hear the cuts that have been made over the next five years and the prospect of being joyful over a flat budget that's not being cut when the needs are going to be so much greater over the next next ten years is is uh, it's very scary. There's no other way to way to put it. I think that if you look at who's calling the shots in the city, in the state, in the country, uh, old people, people with disabilities, and kids are really the useless eaters. And I use that term advisedly, remembering what the useless eaters were in history. Um, the only way that this is going to get solved is by forcing the rich and corporations to make huge increases in taxes. That's, the, that's what's behind all of this. Thank you. Hi, I'm Amber Carroll. I'm from the Aging and Disability Resource Center um, with Episcopal Community Services. Um, I just wanted to uh, respond to Carmen Chu's concern about the services in the Sunset District. Um, the ADRC, with eight roving staff, has 19 outstations throughout the city, two of which are in the Sunset District, both in the inner, sorry, both in the inner and the outer Sunset. Um, we're providing, we're trying to provide services to seniors and adults with disabilities um, by providing staff there at this point four days a week. Um, we have, uh, our staff has people who speak English, Russian, and Chinese in that community. We've been partnering with other organizations, different churches, uh, Meals on Wheels, to outreach to more seniors and adults with disabilities in the community. And we're certainly willing to entertain other ideas to outreach and serve more people. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, please. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Sari Billick, and I'm a community organizer at the Central City SRO Collaborative. Um, I'm part of a working group that's addressing the needs of seniors and people with disabilities living in SRO hotels. Um, the group is led by the SRO Collaboratives and Senior Action Network, and we were formerly working with Supervisor Lage in her position with Senior Action Network. Um, there are um, over 500 SROs in San Francisco, and many of the residents of SROs are seniors or people with disabilities, and often the SROs can't meet the needs of this growing population. Many SROs don't have working elevators or don't have elevators at all. Um, many have pest infestations, no on-site services, or at least no on-site services that are specific to the needs of seniors, and there's often general habitability concerns in the SROs. We've seen more and more seniors um, who are aging in place in SROs, um, and many low-income seniors and people with disabilities have no other housing options in the city other than SROs. The working group that I'm a part of um, conducted a survey of seniors and people with disabilities in SROs, um, and we've been working on a report that's outlining our findings and as well as recommendations for 
um, addressing the, these needs of seniors in SROs. Um, in November, we had a hearing to discuss the findings of our survey, um, and we're going to be having a follow-up um, hearing at the Land Use Committee that's been called by Supervisor Marr um, to specifically discuss the recommendations and um, how to implement these recommendations that we're making based on the survey. The Land Use Committee um, hearing on seniors in SROs is going to be on June 11th, and I invite everyone here as well as the supervisors to please um, join us for that. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Huberta Harry, and I represent Family Services Agency, the National Council on Aging, CSEP, and ESI program. And when I was listening this afternoon to all the different cuts and stuff, our program is holistic in approach, and we've been working with seniors in the city of San Francisco, and during the past year, we've assisted seniors in accessing over $1 million in services and benefits to stabilize them. And if certain services are cut, such as Meals on Wheels and all of these other supportive services, this will put a great strain on those seniors and will cause them to go further down economically. Um, our goal is to stabilize them and our goal is to work with them, but if services such as in-home support services are cut, these are vital to their survival. And we should just think about seniors are the foundation of this city. Thank you. Thank you. And at this time, I'd like to ask uh, James Chiantini from Plan Planning for Elders to come up. Um, he did have a, a statement or request. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Supervisor Olagi and Supervisor Ellsburn and Chu for holding this hearing. And I wanted to mention this to the crowd and to everyone. And that is this silver surge. We've been a very strong, this has been a success. The fact that there are all these people here, that we packed the chambers, that we had so many people here, it, it was really surprising. We did not realize that there would be this much community passion going on. That said, because there are so many vibrant seniors engaged and ad advocated and, 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 and fired up and ready to come down here and speak for their rights, we have unfortunately impeded upon some other pre-existing schedules such as many of the seniors have to have lunch. As we all know, food security is one of the critical parts of staying healthy. So there's that. And also, this room is needed for other hearings. And we're kind of going a little over. So we, what we unfortunately need to do at this time, although this is not the end, by any means, this is not the end of the silver surge. This is not the end of the senior movement, because as our pins say, the senior moment is now, okay? The senior moment is now. So what this means is that we're going to start wrapping it up so that our honorable supervisors can get their lunch and our honorable seniors can get their lunch and we can, we can move on to continue planning this. And uh, everybody's involved with CASE, with Coalition of Agencies Serving the Elderly and Community Senior Centers and everything. So I want to say to everyone, thank you all for coming. And this is not the end. This is not the end. This is not the last hearing we're going to have here. This is only the beginning. Thank you. Thank so, you, Mr. Kianzini. So we have to huh? talk. Yeah.
And so those, those who do want to speak, we're not going to prevent you from speaking. So certainly, if you don't have a lunch um, time or, or have to leave, you, we will not be cutting off public comment. Uh, so, and thank you, Mr. Chiancini, for that. Because I know there are people who wanted to leave who did need to eat. <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Charles Minster. I'm a resident of the Richmond. Uh, I'm a member of the California action, uh, Alliance of Retired Americans Senior Action Network and also the National Active and Retired Federal Employees. I'm a, a regular Army veteran, honorably discharged. I uh, did Vietnam service as a merchant sailor. Uh, retired early because the body couldn't hold out anymore. And I think there's a lot of people like myself in this city who uh, need some work. Uh, it would help uh, supplement the income, but uh, give us a meaning, uh, a reason for living, and uh, provide services to uh, the people of this city from the experiences uh, of, from our uh, from our lives. Uh, I don't expect much from uh, the hearings in this in this situation because, uh, you know, I'm not a uh, I'm not a member of uh, the Oracle uh, Board of Directors or uh, a Yelp or Twitter or uh, AT&T, because they can come in here and uh, with their corporate lawyers and get uh, carte blanche. Uh, I know that as, uh, you know, I worked for 42 years, three years for the city, that uh, the changes needed in this society are revolutionary. We need the money and uh, the, the power of the people in this country to help the seniors and the youth, who uh, don't have much of a future. And uh, until we have, uh, I trust the youth and the working people of this society to change things, not this Board of Supervisors. I'm really fed up with the city of San Francisco because I got evicted in my mother's house and her mother, my mother has been evicted also. Um, let you know who these people are and record they hacked in in city hall records of city and county. Uh, took, took advantage of my mother, Bertha W. Chong. Tim Hawker, the real estate, who's taking advantage of your city. My mother paid her own home. And I don't know what, Superior Court, uh, uh, Peter J. Bush, got me in trouble. Because I told the truth, the house wasn't sold. It was a scam. People are squatters and um, elderly uh, and his love. I have documents that Rebecca Barth is not the owner of the house, it's Bertha Chong. And I cannot see my mother at the Hayes Covenant Hospital. She was at Lord's Heart Hospital and she's in Mary's Hospital. Bertha Chong says she's a conservative and she's a con and a fraud. And I cannot, I cannot go back in my home and I'm trying, to, um, Barbara Commons helping me talk to the super uh, commissioners, get my mother ho back home and myself. I've been, and uh, Sheriff Malik cut me out of the house. Rebecca Barr kicked me out of my own home. And Lord Sakusa, I want them under arrest and jail. And also Sheriff Mallet since March 30th. I'm staying at Rudson House. And also, I pay. My, my social security is 1080 and Rustin House I pay 961 and the cost I, pay, I get back 128 
and I want to go back to 156 Albion. I know these people are con artists. Larry Sakusa, thank you. Hi, my name is John Carter. I had a document for the uh, problems for the community and stuff. And fourteenth uh, mission and survive sometimes not safety or because of of barbary barbary and and vault spiritual impact number two some 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 is graffiti on on another bus number is be I do not wash the bus and because for the, the reporter problems. Thank you. Oh, I'm Najee Zakusomo, and I've been here for at least about three months. I'm a visitor, and I was actually dying when I came here. But however, what I want to speak about, it's not about me. It's about the programs that you're supposed to be having here. And so far, I haven't seen no programs for no senior citizens. I haven't seen no programs for the, for the handicapped. I haven't seen anything that will show or give evidence that you are sincerely in wanting to help people who has disability, who has needs for, for programs that will help them to become our stabilized citizens, as you call it. Uh, I find out that a lot of things that has happened here in San Francisco is a bunch of frauds, a bunch of uh, let me get the money and forget everybody else. Now I know that there should be housing for the homeless citizens, for the senior citizens, for the quadrupedics, for people who are handicapped. There is no, no housing for them. There is nothing for them. There is such things they call a, a day center where they go and sing and dance and have apartments. These people need help too. But what about the homeless? What about the people who really is down and out, who really needs the help, who really needs someone to take notice to them? I think that San Francisco is going to find that if they don't hurry up and do something about these people, there's going to be a condition that they won't be able to handle. And I want to thank you. Okay, good morning, supervisors. My name is Jose Morales. I am a member of the Senior Action Network and Tenants Together and many other organizations. And um, I have, I came as an advocate to save senior and disabled and disability services. So, I am very disabled. I live with osteoporosis and multiple vertebral fracture. My medicine has been cut out, and I am appealing, and they don't listen to me. And also, the senior moment is now. No cuts. So I hope uh, you get a message from all the seniors in the city, and Supervisor Christina Olage, 
knows me very well. She came from that uh, senior action network. It's great. Uh, same as the San Francisco Tennis Union. We had a great uh, meeting honoring um, our great uh, citizen, Miguel Gooding, who uh, died after 20 years of service, completely devoted to uh, make sure that he saves the evictions. And that's why the eviction defense collaboratives also need funds. And they are going to have several trainings, and they are invite, inviting all our friends, all the supervisors, everybody. And also, I have some copies for you. And I would like to give you a copy. I hope you will read them. But the most disgusting part is that the Washington, 8 Washington and Park Merced, they are going to be demolished, and the majority of you are trying to say it's okay in spite of all the evidence that this is an, an a great injustice, and we have to save those, uh, those units, those people, because it, uh, it's, a, it's a, the great story of our thank life. You. Thank you, Ms. thank and you, thank Jose. you very much. Yeah, I was at M Miguel Wooding's event also. What did you say? Not, it was a nice tribute to Miguel, Miguel Wooding. He did a lot for tenants. Okay, I was thank there you Saturday. very much, Christina. Thank you. Supervisor like <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. My name is Francisco de Costa, and um, I'm looking at some of you presenters. What I believe is in empirical data and I have been looking at some of your presentations, including the one that you presented, sir. And I, I think uh, that some of the facts in the presentation do not reflect the real um, the data. And uh, the best way for me to address it is for me to send you an email to that effect. Now, I also want to point out to the four of y'all sitting down there that each one of y'all are compensated by the city. Y'all make over $150,000 plus benefits. So hopefully, uh, when you present, don't present things in generalities. We need solutions. Thank you very much. Now, having said that, I'm a senior too. I'm a senior too, but I'm not part of, the, of that data, and there are thousands of us. Uh, we work very hard, we have disabilities, but we do not take money or monies from any local, state, or federal this. We do not. We work hard, um, and we do our best. So, I am here to tell you, supervisors, that it is pathetic when our seniors are prone to face the elements, prone in the streets. So oftentimes, seniors are picked up, taken to the hospital, treated for a couple of days, and thrown back on the streets. And more importantly, no veteran who has served this nation should be thrown on the street. That's all I got to say. I've taken a lot of pictures. I'm going to address it, and I'm going to send my article to you, sir. Thank you very much.
Good afternoon. My name is Roxanne Murray, and I'm the program director, the Family Service Agency program director for the Senior Community Service Employment Program and the Economic Security Initiative Center. And we partner with community-based organizations to deliver job training and holistic case management services to the, populate, the senior population 55 years of age and older. Through the CSEP stipend and the bundled economic security initiative referral services, our clients have saved $1.2 million annually in out-of-pocket expenses. And while stats are good, serving people really is even better. And if we're going to force, if we're going to cut services, thereby effectively forcing seniors into the workforce, let's work diligently to create and support programs like CSEP that train or retrain our seniors, primarily and most importantly, because they have spent their lives contributing and taking care of us. And it would be unconscionable if we did not reciprocate that blessing. Thank you. Supervisors, my name is Richard Au. I think we, the seniors, are under count. We are getting more and more and stronger and stronger, living longer and longer. <laughs> you have to deal with. We are soon, every one of you will become senior. We need a source of funding for the seniors. We cannot depend on what we get from the federal government or the state. We need a earmarked fund, so I ask you supervisors to start thinking about it. legislation. We have a dedicated fund for our library. We have dedicated fund to make uh, playgrounds for our children. And the both of the uh, schools, the uh, <clears throat> elementary grade and the uh, community colleges, they do receive dedicated earmarked fund. I think it's time for you supervisors to look at this direction. Thank you. Hello, supervisors. My name's Bruce Allison of Senior Action Network and Poor Magazine. There is a 50-foot 20-ton gorilla in the city known as vacant units by uh, renters uh, renting buildings that are, by the U.S. Census, 32,000 vacant units in the city and only 10,000 homeless people. That's a three-to-one ratio. I am getting tired of opening up unofficial shelters like 888 Turk and other buildings. Please open some facilities for seniors or you won't have to put up with me for the rest of your life. Thank you. We want to put up with you, Bruce. Mr. Allison, we, we don't mind putting up with you. Good afternoon, seniors. Good to see Christina over there, and uh, I know Ellsberg, and I know Anne also. Uh, my name is Joyce Kalagos, and um, after, well, I belong to Senior Action Network, 
California Alliance for Retired Americans, and I used to be on the executive board for uh, San Francisco Organizing Project, another community organization. And my biggest fear right now is that after living in San Francisco for most of my life, since 1948, that's a lot longer than a lot of people here, I might have to be forced to join 50 million other folks plus who have had to sell their homes and move out of the city and live with friends or relatives because they can't afford to live in our city anymore. Um, uh, Ellsberg's mom is at the, was at the dialysis center where my, my mom used to go. I had to quit my part-time job to bring her to dialysis. So after she died, of course, the downturn, the economic downturn, went was happening, and so I can't get a job anymore. Based on my Social Security, huh? and if I have to repair my roof, because our house will be 50 years old next year, I'm afraid all my dad's savings will be gone. And with my budget, I figure um, I need my medication, I need to pay my utilities, so I've been my guest over at St. Anthony's Dining Room lately. So my suggestions are, Please, I have more uh, soup kitchens in my area, southeast, uh, um, near the Cow Palace, near, okay, and then also, um, if people don't want to pay taxes, beg, like uh, Gary Sinsay, or help the handicapped, and also, um, what's the fourth one? Oh, hire us um, people through Habitat, um, help us learn to repair those 30,000 housing units. We'll be having people live, uh, working and also having more uh, housing for seniors and everyone else. Thank you. Hi, hello. Hello. 已經兩年多了因為我現在中風因為廚房的問題就解決了很頭痛真的有時出去外面租屋因為我是傷殘的對大約啲歧視的什麼我不方便現在解決的問題就是這樣希望有些什麼現在可以社工來解決一個因為我的收入和支出都相當貴所以希望現在住的問題我沒什麼難問的我現在真的兩邊希望多一點解決的問題 Good afternoon Supervisor, my name is Cam Lam I'm the case manager for Mr. He uh, I represent Family Service Agency of San Francisco. Um, Mr. He is a 63-year-old, and he suffered a stroke uh, two years ago. And right now, he's living in a um, in a uh, in a basement of a in-law. And you know, the, the the rent of the cost is very high. And he he said that, and he tried to find places that's kind of lower rent, but it's it's been very very difficult because. Uh, People will just kind of look at him uh, because of his disability, then they find it really kind of difficult to accommodate him. 
And Mr. He is, um, is getting the support from the case manager and you know, that's something he needs uh, ongoing until he finds stabilized, uh, st stabilization in his life. So, and please consider and uh, support the senior um, uh, citizens. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. My name is Dennis Gary, and I'm with Senior Action Network. I'm primarily concerned with affordable housing for seniors and persons with disabilities and pedestrian safety for these people. When I moved into the Herbert Hotel at 161 Powell Street in 1995. I would estimate that there were 50 plus residents in the hotel, but current management is converting it to a tourist and student hotel as rapidly as possible, confusing the situation because students are technically classified as residents. So there are, at the beginning of last year, there were 15 residents left that has shrunk to 12 because two have passed away of their rooms. And a third one recently went to a, an extended care nursing home and has eviction notices plastered all over his door. When I applied for a landline telephone to be installed in my room, the AT&T jack was not working. And they asked if they could use the, convert the uh, hotel telephone jack to an AT&T jack and the management said no because when my, I left that room, it would be converted to a tourist room. And living at 161 Powell Street, I frequently have the need to cross Market Street, especially at 3rd and Market. It's all I can do to get across the intersection uh, with a walk light on. And yet, bicycles come zipping through and running red lights. One recently said to me, you better watch out as he zipped past. And lastly, a Red Cross, brightly colored Red Cross, uh, automobile rolled into the intersection and I had to detour around it. So I think that the time for education is passing and the time for enforcement is now. Thank you. Hello. 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 Thank you. Uh, I'm here to say that I believe you don't uh, provide enough money in the current budget now for seniors and disabled um, and how that uh, has destroyed my life and the lives of others. Uh, and mainly I'm here to ask you to redouble your efforts to find more efficient and more economical programs. Um, had you given more money to the legal assistance to the elderly, I would not have been wrongfully evicted from my SRO hovel. Uh, but I was outmaneuvered and lied to by my landlord and their attorney. There's only one lawyer at legal assistance, and with hundreds of clients, he doesn't even have time to discuss most cases. Had you given more money to the Independent Living Resource Center, uh, they could have had more time to help me try to find housing. You see, I have currently a two-bedroom Section 8 voucher for almost a year now, but I'm still homeless because I can't find disabled Section 8 housing. And uh, their one housing person has hundreds of disabled clients that she is trying to serve. 
Because I'm homeless, I am a client of the hot team, uh, but I do not use drugs or alcohol. Uh, and, but that is where their funding comes from in the city budget to abate addiction problems. So I'm costing their programs in a 90-day treatment stabilization bed, which is running out, in a program that never even envisioned people like me with multiple severe disabilities, and I could soon lose that bed. So where will I go then? Uh, the shelters will not take me. In fact, it's because the shelters have uh, denied me entrance. That's why I'm with the hot team in the first place. So if the hot team had more funding, perhaps I could be more stable. I eat one of my two meals a day at the ECS Cannon Kip ADRC Senior Center. They serve so many, they serve so many meals for, uh, that sometimes they have to turn people away. And last Friday they served more meals than ever before. I couldn't believe it. They had to actually stay open 50% longer. Um, uh, there are no extras, there are no seconds, and it hurts me to see uh, such an efficient program that feeds a lot of people for very little money uh, uh, struggle uh, when if they had a little bit more money, they could feed far more people with the, the greater efficiency that they have. Could I just say one other thing? You have to encourage landlords in this town with some sort of incentives, tax breaks, I don't care what, to rent to the elderly and disabled, to, thank, uh, and thank to get you, them sir. to accept Section 8. Thank you. Buenas tardes. Soy Marta Ramirez. Soy senior. Hace más de siete años apliqué para housing. Y hace dos años fue a preguntar y yo era el número cinco mil y me dijeron que era el nueve mil hoy y pregunté por qué. Porque habían preferido a los jóvenes y a las señores que se habían quedado sin casa con hijos. Después en el centro de señores hice una aplicación de lotería y ahí salí, el, eran 500 y salí el 499. Y fue a preguntar y me dijeron que me iba a salir de entre 10 años. Y les dije yo que como yo podía conseguir apartamento, porque vivo en el cuarto piso. Y ellos me dijeron que solo que yo me deshabilitara me, y desocupaban abajo el departamento, yo me podía pasar pagando lo mismo porque era de ley. Gracias. Okay. Um, good afternoon, supervisors. Um, Marta Ramirez has come today. Uh, she um, has uh, is a a um, participant at 30th Street Senior Center, and her concern today is that um, she applied um, for um, housing about seven years ago. Uh, she went to check uh, two years ago, and she noticed that she was, um, well, at, at seven years ago, she was on 5,000 5, um, person on the list. Uh, two years ago, she realized um, that she was number 9,000 on the list, and she wanted to know, well, how, how could that possibly be? But um, there were circumstances where other people were given preference, um, and, and that uh, is of, of great concern to her. She's also tried for, um, to apply for other senior housing, uh, she uh, and there were 500 slots on the waiting list. She was 499, and um, they said that possibly within 10 years she would get a place. Um, so sh her concerns are um, are like a lot of. Uh, oh yeah, the, and there's also the the lottery. Yeah, 
right. So, uh, there's a. In the senior center, there was an application for the lottery. Oh, me, right. Sal, eran 500 y salí la 499. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I and I realized she has 30 years living in her current uh, location, and um, she did have to be to participate in a lottery for this uh, senior housing, mm -hmm. and uh, so she was number 499 mm -hmm. um, on that um, lottery, which entitled her uh, to be on the list. Um, but they did ask her that she had to uh, leave her fourth floor apartment and go. Uh, oh, fifth floor apartment. Four floors. Uh -huh. So, um, la única manera de bajar es que yo me deshabilite uh -huh. y está bajo desocupado, me bajo y tengo que pagar lo mismo de ley. Okay. De lo que Okay. Okay. So her situation is yeah very very um, complicated in regards to um, the housing um, uh, requirements that they're making her um, I guess um, leave her current housing then get back on um, a lower level yes and put, but to still pay the same amount so I don't know if I did her justice but no, I think so. you get the essence yeah. thank you Super. thank you. <laughs> Hello, supervisors. My name is Edward Berg, and I'm a member of the 30th Street Senior Center, and I've been going on towards 10 years now. And I appreciate your, all of your support for senior centers. The program that I use increasingly more is the lunch program, and there have been some cuts in it, but we still serve twice every uh, day during the week, uh, one at uh, 12 and 1 o'clock, and they do an excellent job, and I want them to continue. I also depend on uh, public transportation, so and I appreciate the senior cards for Clipper. Um, thank you very much. Good afternoon. I'm Victoria Tedder from Independent Living Resource Center. Thank, thank you for waiting until the end to talk, for me to talk. Um, I'm going to talk about the housing needs of adults with disabilities who are not seniors. As Mr. Sloan, our first speaker, said, uh, they can't get into most senior housing. It is barred to them. As Mr. Richards, who spoke recently, said, it's not very easy for them to find and rent a place even with a voucher. It is very hard to make the landlords take vouchers. The one big source of housing for adults with disabilities in this city is public housing. My client, Dushika, is here. If you could, like, raise your hand. There you are. Oh, she stood up. Good. Um, Dushika was not a senior when she came to San Francisco, and she was not a senior when she was living in substandard housing in the Tenderloin. And finally, when she got to be about senior age, she finally got into public housing. But that list is closed now. Um, I have written a one-page summary of what will work and what won't work for housing for adults with disabilities, and I will email it to you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, hi. Um, 
And con congratulations, Christina. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. I, I have a speech and language impairment, so it's going to take me more than two minutes, but I'll try my best. Uh, my name is Ana Perla Ariolis, and I'm here today with my mobility service dog, Manish Augie, to testify before you how these budget cuts have <laughs> altered our life. I am a person with a disability, which is a hidden and often misunderstood one. I am a brain injury. I can feel the fires of frustration and discord that are burning within the city with regards to those of us who are viewed differently and where legal remedies are not at hand. I have endured a reduction in in-home support services and SSI benefits where I can no longer afford to buy food, the basics, at my local grocery store, Safeway. <laughs> when I tried to apply for food stamps, I was told that you are ineligible to have too much money. You have too much money. The cuts endured over the last five years have <laughs> so increased the cries for equality that no city, state, or legislative body uh, um, I can't pronounce the word, I'm such, chose to ignore. Um, so in short, because I am limited due to my disability fixed income, I am a naturalized American citizen. I cannot enjoy the full and just life which all of us want and deserve. I have a question for you. Who among you here before me would be content to have their life altered and change and change and, and take my place? Thank you very much. Thank you. Good afternoon, supervisors. Um, so this has been a really important hearing and there's been a lot of very sobering data that's come out in this uh, as well as very uh, sobering personal stories from um, seniors and people with disabilities. Um, I have to say hearing that more than half of the seniors in our city are struggling to make ends meet, um, it you know makes me um, kind of ashamed <laughs> in a certain way. And I feel like it raises for me really fundamental questions about the direction that our city is going. And I know that there's a real <clears throat> fear out there that San Francisco is increasingly becoming a place where mainly uh, younger people and people with a lot of money uh, are able to live here and live here well. And a lot of other people are being marginalized in the process. Now, I know there are a lot of people here, uh, both in leadership positions and people in general from the community who have a very different vision and really want something different for San Francisco, and they want us to be true to our progressive history, our roots, and we want to live in an inclusive city where everybody can live well and live a life of dignity. Um, we have a very strong basis for moving forward for that. We have. Um, really excellent leadership from DAS and from 
justice partners who are very committed uh, to ensuring the rights of people with disabilities and seniors to live, uh, to continue living at home with support. But the proposed cuts to services that are happening on every level really threaten the ability to do that. And we have to insist that the 1% pay their fair share. And unless we're able to do that, San Francisco's seniors and people with disabilities are gonna to continue to suffer. Really, it's a very fundamental question of justice and it's a fundamental question of the kind of city we wanna build. Thank you. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Jazzy Collins with Senior Action Network. Uh, I wanna indicate, uh, look forward toward our just refer over to this document. It's called the Eastern Neighborhood Health Impact Assessment uh, Committee. Uh, in 2005 and two, to 2006, uh, for 18 months, there was a study done around health and how it impacts our residents here on the east side of the city. Maybe to go inside, coincide with this uh, demographic profile that DOS has given us today, is to get in contact with the Department of Public Health and look at those indicators and really at the next hearing, whenever that might be, that we really look at and see what those numbers are coincide with the demographics and the uh, autographics that we have here in this uh, document. Because it's not only housing, housing and health and food all coincide with one another. If a person don't have a place to live, they cannot stay healthy. If they don't have healthy food, then they're not, they're gonna, their nutrition needs are gonna diminish. So we're looking at empty storefronts that can be turned into co-ops stores that will be accessible for seniors and people living with disabilities that is affordable. So we have too many open, uh, open spaces here, places that are not being utilized, and this is a good way to utilize, and really giving it up to our community that is suffering. Now, and even on the uh, other side of the city, and uh, before I leave, I'd like to say thanks to uh, Sue Rutherford Chu that came back and checked on one of our community members that took a Nelson spill. Thank her for her concern. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you for allowing me to speak today. I really feel this is an important situation going on. Um, I would like to ask the Madam Clerk to please uh, put the overhead uh, light so I can just put something that I would like to show about my landlord. Um, I'm a senior and I have lived in my building for uh, 20 years. I'm, oh, before I say that, I'd like to say I'm with Action Network. I am part of the Housing Rights Committee. I'm also involved in Client Council and Mental Health Association. So I'm very involved in the community of San Francisco. And I've been at my place for 20 years and uh, I pay my rent on time. I am being threatened with an eviction from this landlord that I have on the overhead. He is being sued by the city and county of San Francisco for numerous amounts of situations. Along with this one, I have another overhead. Um, he is swallowing gangs in his buildings. He, there is uh, drive-by shootings and Leavenworth Street, which is in the overhead above here. 
Um, I live at uh, 427, 428 Post Street, and it's a 49-unit apartment that he paid cash for. He paid $20 million cash. And he is a very ruthless man, and I need help, and I need the city to protect my rights as a senior citizen and a disabled woman. I thank you so much for your time. I'm Victoria Grace. Thank you for calling this meeting. It's so much needed. I uh, live in an apartment nearby in the Soma Civic Center neighborhood, and I've been there since 1998. And uh, with the uh, decrease in my effective income and with the rise in the cost of everything I have to purchase, I have to live with a roommate. Uh, and she is on SSI, and I'm on uh, Social Security uh, Disability, the, uh, old age. And uh, we're, we're food insecure. I had to step out for a few minutes to go to the uh, Canon Kip uh, Aging Disability Resource Center to have lunch. Um, and it was crowded. Um, the, the service is definitely overloaded. There wasn't a place on the, on the reservation list to sign up for tomorrow. It was all full already. Um, I had a good meal. I don't know what I would do without that place, though. I can't afford to, to go to Trader Joe's and purchase everything I need to eat anymore. Um, so I also... Uh, I'm also a client of the Trans Thrive Division of, of Asian Pacific Islander Wellness Center, and I can uh, get lunch there uh, three or four days a week. And um, so thank you for calling the meeting. And Good afternoon. I'm disabled and I have quite a few invisible disabilities. And I'm also a senior. And I'm concerned about our city government and the services they give to us as disabled and seniors. Um, you need to retrain a lot of the programs such as police, policing, neighborhood policing, and some of our park district programs need to be retrained so they understand what the new laws are concerning disabilities and concerning seniors. Besides that, I'm concerned about the greatest illness in our community. And the greatest illness in the senior community is depression. And that depression is going to continue to exist as long as people have to worry about how they're going to eat their next meal, how they're going to stay out of the rain, and how they're going to be able to get the medications they need. I would like to suggest that the board comes up with some way of monitoring non-for-profits who service seniors because there's so much money that's wasted by duplicated programs and by programs that are not doing what they're being paid to do. It is up to you to monitor that money, to make sure that money is going where it's supposed to go, to the seniors who need it, and that those seniors are getting the very best that they can for the amount of money that the city has. Thank you for your time.
Good evening. Uh, my name is Charles Douglas McLean, and I'm from North of Market. And uh, my supervisor is here from North of Market. And um, I heard about they're going to cut the program. I hope they don't cut the program at all because we need it. I need it anyway if you guys don't need it. I wish you guys would come by and, and look at it, you know, and, and let everybody know. Thank you very much. Um, hello, my name is Gail Switzer, and I'm a board member for Next Village San Francisco. Next Village San Francisco is a nonprofit community organization providing residents of San Francisco's northeast corner with the confidence and practical means to live safely and comfortably in their homes and community as they age. And we cover North Beach, Telegraph Hill, Russian Hill, Polk Gulch, and the northern waterfront, including the Golden Gateway. We're a volunteer first group, which means our goal is to fulfill 80% of requests for services with the work of our volunteer corps. According to the city budget analyst's report in 2011, in the 2006 mid-census survey, 25% of residents in the zip code 94133, which is the heart of our neighborhood, were 60 years of age and older with a median annual income of 48,500 compared to 79,000 for the city as a whole. 90% of these seniors lived in rent control housing on income below 48,000, oh, and an income of below 48,500 barely covers necessities in our city and doesn't allow for the additional expenses often needed to adapt one's home so that one can remain there as one ages. It's also difficult for these mid-income seniors to leave their rent-controlled apartments and find other affordable apartments in our neighborhood that might be more suitable to a senior, such as not being on a hill, not having steps, having accessible rooms, etc. We provide several services that can help this population. We provide a member with transportation to doctors, dentists, rides for errands, uh, grocery shopping, etc. We provide rich social activities, computer tutoring, free uh, consultation on home safety and improvements that are appropriate and inexpensive. And we're, um, what I want to ask the supervisors for is we are targeting that mid-group that um, Ann Hinton spoke about of incomes between 30,000 and Thank you. And I would, I would like to ask that next time you be a part of uh, the presentations. Because, I mean, there is a, I don't know, you should really get to know a lot of the groups here today. I hope you start working together with them because you definitely, um, you know, address the needs of a particular group that uh, needs attention here in San Francisco. So yeah. I just want you to be part of the bigger discussion instead of a sort of a outlier, which I don't think you are. So you. I'm hoping that, um, you know, maybe you'll have an opportunity to check in with Case before leaving today or Mr. Chiancini or others from uh, Planning for Elders of Senior Action Network so you can just be included in that discussion. That's great. We've been working with a lot of neighborhood organizations, great. but the broader city ones. Yeah, to the, the senior movement, so you're an integral part of it. Thanks. Uh-huh. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Marilyn French Speller, and I'm a social worker case manager with Meals on Wheels. And I am here today to represent 
one of our clients, Mrs. C, we will call her. Mrs. C uh, cannot be here herself. She is legally blind, disabled, homebound, wheelchair bound, and sleeps in a hospital bed in her living room uh, because she cannot climb the stairs and currently resides in public housing. Mrs. C approached me with a problem that suddenly manifested in recent years and seems to be an ongoing plight for our seniors and disabled Americans. Mrs. Contino clearly needs in-home support services to assist her with bathing, grooming, ambulating, housekeeping, and meal preparation, the basic activities of daily living. However, because her income became uh, $1,600 per month since the death of her husband, her new share of costs is $1,050. Since, and this would only leave her $550 out of her income. Her rent is $618 a month in public housing. This means that she would not be able to purchase food, pay PG&E, and other necessities. As a social worker, the opportunity to see and witness the plight of our seniors as they struggle to do for themselves without the help of support service is not only heartless, but denotes the ability to thrive and enjoy the twilights of their years. Thank you. Thank you. Madam Chair, I am a senior, and a senior who had dedicated his life talking on the behalf of other seniors who are not thus fortunate. Many years ago, I started with Senior Action Network in which on several occasions we went to the archdiocese to advocate for adequate and affordable housing for seniors and those with disability. However, we were not that fortunate. That doesn't mean that the struggle still goes on. Indeed, it still goes on. But I am here today to tell you that instead of thinking about cutting the, the money from the various sources program that would be beneficial to seniors, please do all you can to put some more money with what is given already. I attend a senior center, and in my humble opinion, it is the best senior center in this area. Um, the staff is very um, considerate, and especially the director, she has a vision that when she came on, she really, really turned that center around. So, I... Thank you. Is there additional public comment? 
Good afternoon, supervisors. Uh, my name is Lolita Quintanar, and I'm the Director of Senior Services of Episcopal Community Services of San Francisco. I would just like to reiterate that now we need an increase in doing business in the city. For the last five years, we have not had one. You have heard that the seniors and the disabled population is fast increasing in number, and without an increase in doing business in the city, imagine what can happen. We are here for you, we are here to support you, and you can call on us anytime so we can coordinate services with you or anything so we can find solutions in the city. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, um, good afternoon. Um, I actually hadn't planned to testify today. I came just to support the services, but I feel uh, moved to speak on behalf of the homebound seniors who can't be here today. I'm the director of social work for Meals on Wheels, and I've been there for more than 15 years, and I did home visits with the seniors for the first nine and a half years, so I've seen hundreds of homebound seniors, and we currently have over 1,800 who just rely so much on the services that they are provided, the home-delivered meals, the, the senior sites for the more mobile seniors. And so I just wanted to plead with you on behalf of the homebound seniors who, who can't get out to speak for, for their needs, uh, how important those services are for them. So thank you very much for, for listening to all of us. Thank you. May I have the overhead, please? My name is James Powell, and I'm a case manager at Cannon Kiff Senior Center. Due to uh, budget cutbacks occurring at federal, state, and local level, we need to turn to creative ways of problem solving that don't require higher costs. One way is to use the existing services and resources that currently exist. I submit the following. I, I, there is uh, our seniors uh, who are dis disabled and frail who must travel as much as eight miles uh, to access shelters uh, in the city uh, and sometimes stand 17 hours a day uh, and carry their earthly possessions with them. A simple cost-effective way of, of, of solving this would be to provide bus tokens distributed by resource centers when all the beds uh, that are reserved uh, at that center have been uh, committed and, and require the seniors to travel to the next center. Often seniors are required to carry their luggage and uh, they have more than that is allowed in the emergency shelters that may result in the shelters uh, denying them services. Why not utilize vacant space in the city's property to provide additional storage to improve the opportunities for seniors to get a shelter bed? Seniors are often being uh, evicted without any transitional plan. Uh, why not restore four or five senior beds 
at the sanctuary uh, to uh, Canning Kip Senior Center, uh, which we've had in the past to provide uh, last alternative beds when none others are available. Lastly, I encourage you to be uh, uh, to think creatively and humanitarian. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Vera Hale, and I have a long list of things I'd like to talk about, but two minutes is never enough. So I want to thank you for holding this hearing and making a suggestion. Uh, agencies are always willing to come to the Board of Supervisors anytime, and, but seniors, it is more difficult in terms of their health and their transportation and their lunch schedule. And I think we would have heard from more seniors if we had not had so much from agencies. But I want to encourage you to invite agencies back. I think you have some unusual things going on you may not know about, like the Alzheimer's program you heard about is the only nonprofit one in the city. There is no other nonprofit choice for an Alzheimer's residential program. Uh, the citizenship was uh, provided by a supervisor, Mabel Tang, when Clinton cut assistance to immigrants. Mabel Tang insisted the board designate money for elderly to become citizens, and it worked. And these are things that are unusual that would be helpful uh, for supervisors to know more about. And when there used to be senior shelters, and that makes a lot of sense. Now there are no senior shelters, so seniors who are homeless get, don't get the kind of service they need. And also the issue of people don't have enough, they haven't had a cost of living increase. What that does is that means you reduce service. Unless you're gonna shut your program down or unless you're gonna not meet the federal standards for meals, you've gotta pay for those things. And if you do that, then you can't serve as many people. So I think some of the questions we raise a lot could be looked at. Thank you. Is there any additional public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Again, I just want to thank everyone for participating in this hearing and for coming out and staying and testifying. I think that uh, what I'd like to do is ask that we continue this item to the call of the chair and um, have um, a second conversation that really focuses more on some solutions. I think that there's been plenty presented that kind of identify some of the issues and some of the problems. Uh, we've had seniors and SRO hearings. We've had uh, hearings on the LGBTQ communities. Um, I'm becoming more and more familiar with some of the issues that are impacting public housing residents. Um, in District 5, that's a critical issue. You can't not look at it closely, and so I'm, I'm becoming more aware of those issues. We have community living campaign. We have Meals on Wheels. We have planning for elders. St. Anthony is in the house. So I think we should have some in-between conversations and then come back with some solutions and, and really um, maybe put those solutions out uh, for discussion from um, service providers, case managers, and others. Another issue that um, has been brought to my attention over the past 
uh, few years really is the issue of um, uh, those who really cannot, who aren't able to uh, remain in aging in place or living in their homes. And uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, reduction in those types of services and SNF beds uh, and, and other, and other um, accommodations um, there. So I think it might be interest, I might be interested in, in just understanding how we're looking at that issue um, from a city's perspective. But uh, again, I want to thank all, you, all of you for being here. And um, I know that there is, I think, a one o'clock hearing. I'm not sure if it's here or, or elsewhere. But um, a, as uh, Lolita Quintanar mentioned, let's focus on some solutions. And um, another issue that's come up, of course, are revenue measures. So maybe that's something Case could spend some time looking at. But I think coordination of services, I think there are a lot of services out there. I'm not sure if it's reaching all the people that you know, necessarily could really benefit from those services. So we can talk about all of that. So maybe we can have an in-between planning meeting and then come back here and discuss some solutions, shelter beds or whatever it is. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Supervisor Olagi, and thank you to staff and everyone who came out today. Uh, Madam Clerk, uh, without objection, we will continue this item to the call of the chair. Uh, and with that, is there anything else in front of the committee? No, Mr. Chairman. Okay, thank you, Madam Clerk. This meeting is adjourned. Mm -hmm.